Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition brought to you by Campus 2 Canton. Follow Campus 2 Canton on the Twitter at Campus, the number two Canton. I am your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined by the man that makes it all happen at CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. On the Twitter machine today, we're going to be previewing two G5 conferences. We got the Mac and the Sun Belt. It's what everybody wants right before the season starts. I love Maction. Uh, the Sun Belt is a lot of fun, a lot of offense in the Sun Belt, a lot of, you know, maybe subpar play from the Mac on occasion on some of those Tuesday nights. It's always like, the Mac is one of the toughest conferences, right? And then they're like, by the way, you get to play on Tuesdays. So, you know, just less time to prep. I don't know. It, it, it's tough for the Mac, but it's always fun. It gives us something to walk, watch on Tuesdays. So, Nick, let's just go ahead and start out with the Mac and start. We drop all the way down to 49 for the top-rated team in the Mac, which is Toledo. They finished 9-5 and five last season. DK's got their win total at 9. We are just slightly under that nine win total tell us why we're not expecting too much from toledo although we do have them the highest ranked in the mac here yeah we i mean i, I think our projection is fair nine is nine's a lot <laughs> and, and you nine, know mac teams tough. nine uh, mac teams don't often win nine games in the regular season toledo won nine they went nine and five last year finally did get it done uh to win the mac as i mean they've been our number one rated Mac team for a long time. I mean, they're just the, the wide numbers. Uh, often. Yeah. I mean, there was a little, t there was a, a time there where Western Michigan was putting up very similar roster strength numbers. Uh, that is no longer the case, but Toledo has been one of those teams that under Jason Candle head coach just uh, has, I think come up short of expectations more often than not. They're a program that it seems like every year, loses a game or two that they shouldn't. I mean, last year they lost to Buffalo. They lost to Bowling Green. They lost to Western Michigan. So, I mean, really that's three losses that, that Bowling Green, would expect maybe tough. they shouldn't have. Uh, I mean, that is a big Mac rivalry game, Toledo and Bowling Green. But, uh, but still, yeah, I mean, that was a game that Toledo had uh, more than a 60% post-game win expectancy, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly. So, um that is one of those games where Toledo had the better roster and actually, according to the box score, should, you know, played the better game and, and should have won, but yet found a way to lose. And that that tends to happen to Toledo once or twice a year. And they were still able to uh, make it to the MAC championship, beat Ohio. Uh, and, you know, but what long-winded way of, of what I'm getting at, Last year's nine-win Toledo team only won seven games in the regular season. They went seven and five, then won the MAC championship, and then beat Liberty in a bowl game. Uh, that was sort of the rare instance where they won uh, with a, a post-game win expectancy well under fifty. But uh, Toledo, I do think, pretty pretty clear to say the most talented team in the MAC. Um, I think DeQuan Finn, and you could say this about just about anybody, but especially with him. If he stays healthy, is is you know really sort of the key, and and he was not healthy at times last year, um, but he's got a lot coming back to work with. Toledo 
ranks sixth nationally in our offensive returning production numbers. Uh, they're seventh overall, top 30 on defense as well. But um, yeah, Finn is is uh, one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the MAC, probably the best quarterback in the MAC. Although Nathan Rourke, we could uh, maybe make or Curtis. I don't know. One of the Rourkes. We'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he's got Jawan Newton and Devin Maddox, one of the best wide receiver duos in the MAC. Tucker Gleason's actually one of the best backup quarterbacks in the MAC. Played quite well at times last year, and then they've got a solid, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, CFF players, <laughs> have uh, sort of a three man rotating, you know, running back by committee situation with Jacquez Stewart, Micah Kelly, and Penny Boone uh, there as well. The offensive line is experienced. They get back Tyler Long, who missed all of last season with an injury. He's uh, His next start will be his 20th career start. And then I think this is one of the better defenses, maybe in the entire group of five. I mean, we're going to be talking about two Sunbelt defenses a little bit later who are uh, maybe the the two best, uh, but Toledo I think is in that conversation. You know, there are four All MAC uh, players who who have gotten either a first team or second team All MAC selection um, in their career on both offense and defense. Uh, for the defense, Dallas Gant, uh, Quinion Mitchell's getting some. I think he was one of Bruce Feldman's freaks. He's getting some NFL draft buzz. Um, Maxon Hook, Nate Bauer, they bring back uh, Terrence Taylor, who was limited to 10% of snaps last year. They're favored in 11 games, um, including every single one of them by six and a half or more. It's just, can we trust them to, to win the games they're supposed to every time out? And, uh, you know, even though they did finally get it done and, and win the MAC last season, I'm still hesitant to, to really trust Toledo to, to take care of business week in and week out. And so, you know, nine wins is a lot. This team is talented enough to do it, experienced enough to do it, um, and kind of, you know, finally got the, uh, the, the weight off their shoulders of winning the Mac. But I still, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd rather be on the under nine uh, just because I, I still struggle to, to trust Toledo to get it done. Xavier, what are your thoughts on, on Toledo? I mean, like Nick said, a bunch of returning all-conference players on offense right. and defense. Um, this squad seems pretty loaded for this year. Oh, for sure. And I, and I think what I also love about Toledo going into this year is their non-conference schedule doesn't – I think it will prepare them for the back season, but it doesn't put them in a situation where I feel like – like last year in particular, where they lost to Ohio State, and I think it compounded into another loss the very next week to San Diego State, who I thought – they could compete with, and in some respects, maybe should have been last year. Um, you know, losing to Ohio State 77-21, then that compounded to a 17-14 loss to uh, San Diego State. I don't see that happening in this year's non-conference schedule. They, they start with Illinois, uh, who we talked about earlier uh, in the podcast series. We talked about how good, you know, they could be, but I, I do think they could be competitive in this matchup. Um, and then they have Texas Southern and San Jose State, two very winnable matchups, in my opinion, both of them being at home. Um, I think they should handle those pretty well, and that should get them pretty much prepared for what's coming down the, uh, the pipeline. They also get UMass as well. Um, they get their first, they get three out of their first four games, four out of their first five games, excuse me, at home. So it really starts you off really nicely as far as schedule is concerned. Um, and yeah, like you, like you guys mentioned, their talent in this conference should lead them to being one of, if not the best team in the conference by far. Um, I know that the, you know 
like Nick, like Nick alluded to, I know they will actually want to build upon some of the regular season totals that they had last year as far as wins are concerned, you know, only being able to win seven games um, and not making that amount until obviously they made the MAC championship and their uh, subsequent bowl game. I think they have a really good shot this year. I think the other piece to this that I love as well is that, you know, one of the better teams in the MAC that they'll be playing this year, Buffalo, they get them on a bye week after a bye week, excuse me, and Miami of Ohio, who we'll talk about in just a second or in just a couple seconds, um, they play right before their bye week. So they get two of the better teams in the MAC as we have uh, by rating right before their ball, right before their uh, their bye weeks, um, and, and one after the bye week. That should really match up. You know, you can give your all against Miami of Ohio, get that rest, and then be back to get uh, Buffalo really quickly. The one weird thing about their bye week, though, is it's they, they do get that Tuesday game like Scott was alluding to. Uh, so they get their bye week on October 28th, then they pay Buffalo on October 31st. Uh, so that's going to be a little weird. Um, and, and to what you alluded to earlier, maybe some of those are, are, are a little bit um, – maybe it'll lead to a little bit of rust coming off of that bye week that they're going to have to shake off rather quickly on a Tuesday night game. Um, against a, a pretty a pretty good uh, Buffalo team. But I think I'm going to have them going on there over. They're too talented, in my opinion, and I know a double-digit win team in the MAC is a little shaky. Uh, but I, I feel confident about Toledo this year that they can pull their over with the talent that they have on display and with a non-conference schedule that doesn't scare me nearly as much as last year's did. All right, let's go over to number 67, Ohio, who finished 10-4 and four last season. BK has only got their win total at 7.5, but we are over. That seven and a half, uh, you know, speaking of Rourke's Nick, uh, this team has eight returning starters on offense, six on defense as well. So a uh, lot of a lot of talent returning to this team. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do see now in our team profiles, it is Curtis Rourke. Not Nathan Rourke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Ohio is a team that traditionally our projections are a little lower than expected. Um, they did hit a little bit of a, a bumpy stretch in 2021 when they ranked 100th in team performance. Uh, there was, of course, the transition uh, at, at head coach uh, when, um, oh gosh, when Tim Alvin, the new head coach, took over. Uh, my my mind just went blank on on his name, who retired, the former Nebraska. You don't know every uh, single 133 coaches, I, you know, it's, defensive it, coordinators it, and line coaches and all that stuff. Nick, come on. Well, well, you know, not not uh, uh, not as well as I used to, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Curtis, Curtis Rourke, who the big question for him coming into this season and all spring was, is he going to be 100 percent? healthy because he suffered a torn ACL at the end of last year, uh, missed a little bit of time, all indications, everything I've read, seems like he's, you know, full go in, in fall camp, not going to be limited. Um, so I don't even, you know, have him highlighted in, in orange in our team profiles to indicate an injury worth watching. It seems like he's good to go. Uh, Sabin Gura running back, one of the best in the Mac, Sam Wiggles, uh, Rourke's top wide receiver. Um, uh, really exploded onto the scene, former walk-on at Ohio State, who uh, was just like the, the practice all-star in the most loaded wide receiver group in the country. Um, gets an opportunity to show what he can do in a MAC team and performs at an all-conference level. Um, I expect he'll have a, a really, really strong season as well. Uh, this team kind of shrugged off a little bit of a rough 2021, like I mentioned, charged back, 
made it to the MAC championship game, uh, fell short, but um, you know had a, a strong overtime win in the bowl game. Ten wins. Uh, they're they're just a, a solid team, and similar to Toledo, you know the returning production numbers are very good. They're top twenty-five overall. They're number four on offense, um, and that helps. I, I don't think I finished my thought earlier about typically we underrate Ohio a little bit because they're one of those teams. Eastern Michigan is also uh, like this a bit. It, it's not too uncommon in the Mac as a whole, but the roster strength numbers traditionally uh, just don't end up, you know, rating that high because they, they end up with a lot of pretty low rated players who end up becoming starters and, and major contributors and guys like Rourke um, guys like Wiggles and, and even say, you know, Sabin Gura um, can add uh, a lot of production um, and end up raising their video game rating, um, their overall individual player rating. And, and that helps out quite a bit. So when an Ohio team like this is experienced like they are, it, it does finally start to uh, show a bit in our numbers, but um, you know, they're still triple digits in, in defensive roster strength. And I think that that defense even though they were shaky last year, 82nd in overall team performance, uh, 106th against the pass, uh, is a is a decent defense. Probably is a little underrated uh, currently in our our roster strength numbers. So um, this Ohio team, very good, very competitive. Uh, we will get an early chance to see what they can do at San Diego State. I think that they're actually, you know, if it were a neutral field, we would have Ohio favored in that game. Um, Think that think that they, you know, will get a really strong indication of how good this Ohio team can be in non-conference play. A one in three start is possible because San Diego State, FAU, and Iowa State are tough. Uh, but I do think that this team is is still one of the best in the MAC. They don't play Toledo in uh, the regular season, so they set up pretty well to to make another run of the MAC championship game. Xavier, are you uh, are you thinking Ohio is going to make a pretty good push here as well? So first and foremost, I'm taking the over on Ohio. Not only do they bring back so much of the talent that they had last season, but you're not telling me that a team that did win double-digit games in 2022 is just going to not – for me, I don't believe that they're just going to all of a sudden fall off of this you know metaphorical cliff to being less than a seven-and-a-half win ball club. Uh, they were able to win 10 games last year. Outside of their non-conference, which I think gets easier this year, that's where they struggled. That's where they picked up – Two of their, you know, two of their four losses uh, last season, I think they are going to play pretty well. Um, their non-conference, in my opinion, got easier this season. They don't see Penn State. Uh, they pick up LIU, um, and I don't think Iowa State's nearly as good of a team as they were last season. On top of that, they get that game at home. All positives in their direction. And like I said uh, just a second ago, they get a nice little bye week right before they, uh, right after they, right before they play Iowa, uh, Miami of Ohio which is a team we'll talk about in just a second. So I really think that this is going to be a team that can run the table. It's going to try to get some get back from Toledo. Uh, but once again, they return so much talent. So to think that they're going to go from a 10-win team to like a 7-win team, I understand the Mac is volatile, but I don't think it's that volatile. Give me the over when it comes to Ohio. All right, let's move over here to the next team in the Mac, which is my uh, Miami of Ohio at 89. Last season, they finished 6-7, and seven, the DK win total is six and a half and we are just slightly under that six and a half nick so what is it about miami of ohio that has us just slightly on that under 
Well, so they're they're a team somewhat similar to Ohio, somewhat similar to Eastern Michigan, where uh, I think we underrate the the talent numbers just a little bit. Um, Miami Ohio has put together a, a pretty uh, strong track record of of some productive players who have left via the transfer portal uh, defensively the last couple of years. They lost one of their top um, defensive backs last season to Ole Miss. Um, it looked like for a second that Brett Gabbert, the longtime starting quarterback, might do the same. He briefly entered the transfer portal um, at the end of last season, but uh, he is back, is returning, and somebody that that uh, this team can can truly build around. Uh, when Gabbert was sidelined last year, Avion Smith stepped in, thought did a lot of really good things, pretty exciting player. Um, we'll be interested to see what he can do in a full uh, season, but you know, Gabbert when healthy is one of the best quarterbacks in the Mac. So, um, it's going to have to rely on some transfers at receiver. Miles Marshall, uh, was a starter last year, but it looks like Joe Wilkins and Gage, uh, Lervadane, uh, probably mispronounced that, but, uh, two incoming transfers, uh, both have potential. Wilkins, it sounded like, was off to a great start in fall camp. Uh, Labradain is a, a FCS experienced uh, transfer uh, on defense. They are one of the more experienced teams in the MAC, top 20 in defensive returning production. Matthew Salopek is one of the top linebackers, uh, most productive linebackers at the group of five level and, and an all MAC caliber player. So I, I feel like we are probably underrating Miami of Ohio just a little bit. I think last year's offensive team performance numbers in part impacted by Gabbert being out when they ranked 121st in offensive team performance, 116th gets passed or 116th passing and 102nd rushing. Uh, I think we'll see a better team this year, uh, a, a better offense on the whole. They do get both Toledo and Ohio, um, but this team is very competitive and I think is capable of beating any team in the MAC. Um, probably should go two and two in non-conference play. So I, I'm not super confident in us hitting this under. Uh, I think we're probably underrating Miami just a bit. Xavier, you think the same thing about Miami? A little bit underrated. Maybe you like this win total, or are you not? Yeah, I agree with Nick, especially on the the non-conference schedule. I think the non-conference is a little bit easier than maybe it was last season. Uh, last season they saw Kentucky and they saw a better Cincinnati uh, team. Obviously, this year Cincinnati is going to be good but they're going to be obviously having a little bit of a turnover with Fickle being gone. Let's see how – I'm not saying they'll beat Miami, but let's see how good Miami actually is this season before we just write off that game as well. Um, I don't see why this team could not get to seven wins, so I feel like we're doing them a little bit of a disservice here. Um, I don't – yeah, I, I really like the way their schedule really plays out. Uh, they bring back a ton of talent once again. Uh, they're another team that benefits from that. Bring And if they can get a healthy Gabbert, I, I, think, I thought last year he was poised for a breakout season, um, you know, uh, the year before he got hurt, puts up uh, almost 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, six INTs. I think he was poised to put up, you know, maybe his first 30 touchdown season, maybe his first 2,000 yard, 3,000 yard touchdown season. If you just go based off his completion percentage in particular, he went from 59% in the year uh, the year before his injury to 64% last year, uh, right before getting hurt. So definitely an uptick there. It looks like he maybe found his footing somewhat in the passing game. And if he can bring back similar totals, totals to that, uh, this upcoming year, I think they'll be a really dangerous team in this conference. Uh, they might be a sneaky team, sneaky pick to, you know, get to the uh, MAC championship. But right now, I, I think I got them penciled in for at least seven wins, at least. All right, let's move on down the bench here to 98, the last team 
whose head is kicking above the 100 ranked water in the Mac here is Buffalo. Uh, last season, they finished seven and six. DK's got their win total at six and a half. Another team with a kind of a low win total here that we're still on the under for. Uh, but what do you think about Buffalo for 2023, Nick? Do you think they can hit this, or is this one you're glad we're on the under for? Uh, Buffalo's a, a, I mean, pretty much everybody in the MAC is uh, somewhat <laughs> a pretty, pretty unpredictable. Buffalo is one that is, I think, more, um, more unpredictable to me than most. Uh, they, I think, underachieved a bit last year. Um, the offensive roster strength numbers are uh, a good bit lower than I would ex- have expected. Defensively, uh, Buffalo is is quite good. I mean, better than FBS average in in roster strength. They've got uh, three All MAC caliber players, including safety Marcus Fuqua, who's a All American type player. I mean, led, led the nation in interceptions, I believe, last year. Uh, Demond Williams has burst through the 100 uh, VGR rating. Um, Sean Duak, very productive linebacker. So they've got a star at each level of the defense. They've supplemented with some transfers. Uh, they're you know pretty experienced on that side of the ball. I think there's definitely room for improvement. Last year, they ranked 85th in defensive team performance overall. They really struggled against the run, ranked 116th. Um, the offense, you know, was was not uh, much worse, but pretty disappointing, especially based on the talent that they've got at running back. Ranking 107th in rushing team performance was a, a big disappointment with Ron Cook and Mike Washington and Al Henderson. Pretty solid trio of of running backs there. Uh, the offensive line, of course, was was part of that. They struggled, ranked 106th in O line performance. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, this is a team that, um, has the talent to compete with anybody in the Mac. They just kind of like Toledo sometimes struggled to take care of business in, in games that you would expect them to win, you know, lost to central Michigan, uh, lost to Kent state in overtime where they had a 61 and a half percent post-game win expectancy, lost to Holy Cross, who was a very good FCS team, but still an FCS team. Uh, early in the season, but beat Toledo. So they're they're a team that is capable of of beating just about anybody on the schedule, but sometimes will slip up and and lose to uh, teams they're not supposed to. So um, I think that you know the non conference schedule is tough. Two and two would be uh, probably a, a well, you know, is probably the goal. I mean, maybe three and one is is possible but two and two is probably most realistic and then you know you have to to navigate a fairly volatile mac that includes games against both toledo and ohio so and miami of ohio so they played the the three toughest teams in the mac uh according to our power rankings three straight weeks at the end of the season um it's uh it's you know it's going to be tough so my my level of confidence is not particularly high uh seven wins i think this team is is definitely talented enough to do it um but they haven't quite earned my trust yet so i don't hate that we're on the the under Xavier, your thoughts on buffalo for 23 couldn't agree more with nick this is a team that was just weird last year first and foremost you know they i know in their locker room right now it says start and finish because they didn't do either last year they didn't start well they didn't finish well 
Uh, they lost their first three. They lost three of their last four. So if they can figure out the beginning and the end, they'll be all right. <clears throat> that middle side for them was really good, right? They go on a five-game winning streak in the middle of the year, uh, beating Miami of Ohio and beating Toledo, right, Nick? So the middle of the schedule was fine. They need to understand how to, you know, like you alluded to, to handle business against the team that they're supposed to handle business against and be able to bounce back from bigger losses. They lose to Miami of Ohio after, uh, you know, a small bye week, 45-24, and subsequently lose to Central Michigan, have a full bye week, and then lose to Kent State in overtime. And almost lost to Akron, twenty-three to twenty-two. So they've got to understand how to bounce back from some of, from some of these losses that they'll have. Um, you look at their schedule this year; it's not a, a complete cakewalk in the non-conference side, right? You're going to play Wisconsin. We just talked about Fordham beating another MAC team, so don't be the second. Uh, you play Liberty. Louisiana is not going to be a slouch um, at all. But you should at least go, like Nick alluded to, two, two and two, maybe three and one if you know if you put it all together. Uh, but I expect this team to come out better than what they did last year. They've got to start the season better. And if they do, they'll be a team that, that that's in the conversation. But I'm with Nick on this one. Until they can show me that they've got you know it all figured out as far as you know a, a confidence situation and being able to bounce back from early season losses um, and in some cases late season losses, then I can't you know put them in that conversation for a MAC title contender. I will say this too: their schedule at the end there. Toledo, Ohio, and Miami of Ohio back to back to back is pretty daunting. Um, this is a team, like I just said, doesn't typically didn't last year do well um, with adversity. I know the coaches will be coaching against that this year, but I'm not ready to go on that limb just yet. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna say they go six and six and make a bowl game, um, which means they can finish with a similar record that they did last year. But I'm not ready to say that they're, you know, one of one of the bona fide contenders in the MAC just yet. All right, let's go over to Ball State, who is our first team in the MAC coming in, rated under 100 at 102. Um, they were five and seven last season. DK's got their win total only at four and a half, but we have them favored to be uh, over that one pretty well over this win total. And Nick, on the offensive side of the ball for Ball State, they bring in a lot of big name transfers. They got a couple good returning pieces as well. Is this a team that's going to be led offense first by uh, big moves and Lane Hatcher and Marquez Cooper here? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm personally really excited about Marquez Cooper. I, I think that uh, the level of production that he showed at Kent State um, is, you know, it's 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 very reasonable to expect he'll be able to carry that over. Some of the things I've read about fall camp, um, some of the the quotes from Cooper. Uh, specifically, uh, he's mentioned he's excited to be more involved in the passing game than he was at Kent State. So I think that that's um, a great thing. I mean, I, I know that that Ball State lost Carson Steele to UCLA, um, and you know I'm not saying there won't they won't feel that there there won't be any drop off. Steele is obviously uh, proved to to be uh, one of the best running backs in the Mac and he's, you know, bigger and, and, uh, perhaps built more to carry a very heavy workload than Cooper who's listed at five, six, one eighty four. Um, but I think that, that Cooper has the potential to, you know, lead the Mac in rushing play at a, an all conference level, uh, and, and Lane Hatcher's very, very experienced 28 games started, you know, started all last season, I think took every, snap at quarterback at Texas state um, was also a starter off and on at Arkansas state prior to that. He's not flashy, not, you know, doesn't wow anybody with his physical skills. 
Um, but is somebody I think you can trust at the quarterback position to run an offense. Um, and he has a really interesting uh, tight end duo and Brady Hunt and Tanner Koziel, who might be the, I mean, I, I expect one of them to lead the team in receiving. Uh, I expect the other to be top two or top three because there's really not much experience, uh, you know, around them at wide receiver. Uh, Nick Presley's the most experienced returner at, at wide receiver, played fewer than 20% of snaps last year, started one game. Uh, Ahmad Edwards is a transfer. Uh, Ty Robinson is a transfer. Expect those guys to, to be in the mix and uh, maybe might emerge as, as the you know starters at wide receiver. But um, for the most part, unproven. Robinson's from Colorado. Uh, Edwards is, is very experienced, but is going to be, you know, transferring up to the FBS level. So a um, little bit of, little bit of unknown there, but I, I do think that this ball state offense has the potential to be very, very good. Uh, defensively, they were stronger last season, ranked 63rd in, uh, in returning production on uh, the defensive side of the ball, uh, top 50 against the pass. They bring back Clayton Cole, very productive linebacker Cole Pierce uh, was actually a little bit more productive as, as far uh, as uh, you know our, our production points go, um, but calls the the you know all Mac caliber player or has been voted that in the past. Pierce I think is is definitely to that caliber, um, but you know it's a unit that that ranks top sixty in defensive returning production and I think has the ability to play uh, very similarly. You know FBS average defense. If the offense can take a little bit of a step forward, which might, you know, seems a little strange saying with this team losing Carson Steele, but I think that they replaced him with somebody, you know, just as talented and, and they've got some depth there in Vaughn Pemberton. Really excited to see what backup quarterback Kyle Kelly can do as well. Hope that he'll get involved in some other packages and, and uh, you know, certainly add some depth and, and a different skill set to Lane Hatcher. So I think there's a lot to like about this Ball State team. I, I, was surprised that we were um, as high compared to the number. Uh, but uh, I, I, I feel like I feel pretty good about it. I think we're on the right side of it and think that this team's capable of making it through a bowl game. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Do you think Ball State uh, can push for a bowl game like Nick said, or do you think maybe they're going to fall short? Yeah, I'm with Nick on this one. You know, I, I'm not a fan of whoever the schedule maker is to give their both Kentucky and Georgia to start the year, both on the road. But outside of that, they get their next two uh, non-conference games at home. I mean, Indiana State and Georgia Southern, so I expect them to go two and two in a non-conference. They are able to – they don't play Ohio, and they also miss out on Buffalo as well this year. So they get – you know, they obviously get Toledo and Miami of Ohio, but they've got a very manageable schedule here. Um, I I really – I agree with Nick on this one. I really think this is a team that can get over their DK win total of four and a half. I'm going over for them, even if it's just five. But I think they can get to that sixth win. Uh, like I said, their schedule is really manageable outside of the first two games of the year. But as long as you don't let, you know, losing to both Kentucky and Georgia compile to maybe an upset loss to Georgia Southern um, at home, I think you'll be fine. Now, if they do so happen to go one and three in non-conference, now we're getting to more of a sketchy type situation. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I love Lane Hatcher. I mean, obviously, extremely talented kid was I mean, originally committed to Alabama, just didn't work out, right? Decided to go home and play at Arkansas State, you know, and now deciding to go and play at Ball State. The kid's extremely talented. 
I think he can obviously give them similar production uh, to last year's QB. Uh, it's going to be based on the wide receiver core, though. As good as that tight end room is, and as you know, they're both sophomores, so they've got ton. They're going to be around for a while. That wide receiver core has to come around if this team is going to hit the heights um, that we're talking about. You know, where they they, they could be a seven and five ball club um, if everything clicks. I will say once again. At the end of the year, kind of navigating that last four games is going to be extremely crucial for them to make a bowl game. Uh, they get at Bowling Green and at NIU, uh, two teams that are kind of, you know, in and around them, um, excuse me, especially NIU, who we'll just be talking about in just a second. You know, so you got to handle business there. But if they can do that and, you know, make it to where the Miami of Ohio game, you know, is kind of inconsequential to them making a bowl game, they'll be perfectly fine. Uh, so, yeah, give me the over when it comes to Ball State. Uh, the next team here I'm intrigued by, number 105, Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois brings back, I mean, Rocky Lombardi, if we can keep him on the field, would be great uh, to watch. And look, they brought back all five starters on their offensive line, including a uh, all-conference player. Six. No they technically water. have six, six returning starters. Six <laughs> returning starters. Yeah. So, and they um, lost their best guy to Kentucky, unfortunately. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, if there's a year Rocky's going to stay on his feet, although, you know, he will pull it down and run. Uh, defense is interesting, too. You have a couple uh, big-time players coming back, a couple transfers as well. Is this a year where uh, Northern Illinois can uh, make a little noise here, Nick? We've got their uh, DK win total at six and a half. We are still just slightly under that, though. I don't know. I kind of like Northern Illinois to make a little noise. Yeah, I think they will. I, I think I think the six and a half is is uh, reasonable, but I'm I'm a little disappointed that we're on the under. But I I, I understand. I mean, this team. Struggled last year, finished three and nine, coming off a MAC championship the previous season. You mentioned Lombardi. I mean, that that's a big reason why he was uh, unavailable for all but four games, and and you know they struggled without him, struggled for consistency. Uh, it was a little bit of a rotating, uh, you know, musical chair situation at the quarterback position, but with hopefully a, a fully healthy Rocky Lombardi back for a seventh season with Trayvon Rudolph also back. Um, incredibly explosive wide receiver had a 300 yard game in 2021. Um, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ontario Brown, the running back with Harrison Whaley transferring out to Wyoming. Brown should be the uh, sort of bell cow type running back, but you know, you did add a lot of depth at that position with Gavin Williams transfer from Iowa. They moved Justin Lynch to uh, running back from quarterback. Um, so there's, there's, you know, a lot to like, and you mentioned the, the experience on the offensive line, multiple, uh, all conference players on defense, Devontae O'Malley up front at uh, defensive tackle. He and James Esther, pretty solid duo in the middle of that, uh, defensive line, CJ Brown, a, uh, all conference caliber safety. There's a little bit of question at corner and linebacker, but I do think that, that, you know, at least on paper, this defense looks like it should improve on last year. They ranked 114th in defensive team performance overall, 130th against the pass. Um, so, you know, some some questions certainly to be answered. But I think that this offense is good enough. One of my favorite players I failed to mention, Casper uh, Ruckowitz, is, is somebody who does a variety of different things, listed as a wide receiver, get some touches, 
uh, other uh, ways as well. Um, so I, I, I think that there is a lot to like. I do think this team is capable of getting back to uh, a bowl game. I think they could make things interesting, make another run at the, the MAC championship game. But um, pretty tough non-conference schedule. Um, and then, you know, starting MAC play at Toledo, Akron, who I'm pretty high on. Uh, and then home against Ohio and Eastern Michigan is always tough. It's, it's, you know, the schedule doesn't set up great, but I do think that this team is uh, going to be competitive and, and uh, is capable of getting back to a bowl game. But uh, getting to that seventh win, you know, possible, but, but I, I do think that we're on the right side potentially with, with the under six and a half. Javier, your thoughts on Northern Illinois. Do you, do you think they'll make some noise or do you think like Nick said, Probably in the right spot taking the under. Well, yeah, but I, funny enough, while you were saying that, I was looking up the odds to them versus Boston College in week one. Kind of like, to be honest with you, uh, they're minus nine and a half. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm going to pull the trigger, but not a, not a terrible number if, if I were go, if I were to do so with how bad I think Boston College could be this year. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I think I, I think at the end of the day, this team has just a little bit too much to replace, and there's a little bit too many question marks. Um, especially on that defensive side of the football. They return a couple of really good dudes, especially one in the secondary um, and one up front, but just not sold on how good this defense actually can be after some of last year's performances. Uh, I mean, this is a team that was favored to go into uh, to beat Vanderbilt at home and lost pretty handedly. Uh, they were actually favored going into that game. They were favored by three and a half and lost by 10. So, yeah, not, not too high on that defense in particular. Um, they, they gave up some, some hellacious numbers. I mean, they gave up 52 to Toledo, 44 to Akron, uh, <laughs> 44 to Ball State. Uh, they couldn't really hold anybody under 30, um, except for two, three teams. So if that defense can make marginal strides, then sure. I think that they can get to that total, but they've got to show me that. And, and I don't think that their schedule, you know, really does them any favors. Um, their non-conferences can be just as daunting in some respects. They play Nebraska this year. I think Tulsa will be improved. Uh, yes, they get Southern Illinois, but like we just said, the Boston College are already underdogs by nine and a half in that game in particular. Um, and then, yeah, they, then they'll go straight into having to play Toledo right after they get off of their non-conference schedule. So it could be a really, like, hellacious start for them. They could really start the season off, like, one and five, two and six at best. Um, and then you're really, you know, you're really having to climb one hell of a hill. And I just don't think that they're able to, they're capable to do so uh, with that defensive play, unless, like I said, they turn a corner that we just don't see coming. Uh, so give me the under uh, here with Northern Illinois. All right, let's go to the first directional Michigan. It's central at 113, four and eight last season. Five and a half is their DK win total, but we are under at five and a half, and it's not slightly here, Nick. So, um, you know, a lot of new starters, a lot of new faces on offense, specifically for central Michigan. Uh, defense is bringing back a decent amount of starters here. So looks like this team is kind of heavy one-sided. Is that why we're on the under? I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, defensively, they're top 10 in returning production. Uh, defense was definitely the stronger uh, unit last season. They were 51st in team performance overall, uh, you know, top 80, uh, both against the pass and the run. So uh, pretty, you know, consistent and, and well-balanced unit. Um, I think that, you know, Dante Kent, all-Mac caliber defensive back uh, leading that unit. Cal Moretti had a really strong year last year, linebacker. Um, they're just, they, they have the potential, I think, to be very solid on that side of the ball. 
And then offensively, it was a struggle. I mean, they played three quarterbacks. Um, but interestingly enough, two of those quarterbacks return, and I think both have really high upside. I'm highest on Bert Emanuel Jr., who just went crazy in those final four games last year running the football. I mean, the guy was incredible. Uh, it sounds like, even though we've got Emmanuel right now listed as our projected starter, it sounds like actually Jace Bauer is is probably going to get that first snap. I expect both will play quite a bit. Um, but the the rest of the group, I mean, Central Michigan has a pretty strong uh, track record under head coach Jim McElwain of producing, uh, you know, very productive running backs. Uh, they do lose Lou Nichols. So is it going to be Marion Lukes or Miles Bailey back? Uh, the wide receiver core, a lot of questions. Shailen Magotti, I think, is you know, got the potential to, to be the top guys. Uh, Stephen Bracey, both are, are uh, transfers coming in. Bracey most recently at Wisconsin. Um, but the, you know, the offensive uh, position, you know, skill position group, there are a lot of questions there. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be, you know, uh, uh, share the load type situation? Is there a way to get Bert Emanuel the ball even if he's not established as the starting quarterback, um, how will the offensive line uh, come together? Last year, they ranked 114th in O-line performance. So um, there are, I think, just just too many questions on that offensive side of the ball. And even though there are reasons to be optimistic that they will have a productive running game, and that they do have the potential to have one of the uh, top rushing quarterbacks in, in the MAC. Um, I just right now, I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I do kind of think that, you know, the talent numbers aren't quite there. Really tough non-conference. Um, one in three is possible. Uh, one in three is maybe likely, actually. Um, and then, you know, they finish with Ohio and Toledo back to back. So uh, I, I am hesitant because I think that that things could come together for Central Michigan and they could be a very, very competitive team. Uh, but as things stand and all the questions I've got, I, I think we're on the right side being on the under. Uh, Xavier, what are your thoughts here uh, for Central Michigan? Do you think it's just too much offense to make up? Defense is going to have to carry them, so they're going to be just a big one-sided team again? Yeah, for sure. I'm slamming the under here. I just Realistically, you look at this what happened last season. I just think what's going to happen all over again. Now, granted, they were still able to get the four wins last year. Uh, but, you know, to, go, to, to to hit on this DK win total, you're talking about a, a bowl team. I just don't see it. That offense has way too many question marks. It's an extremely young offense in a lot of places, in important places, obviously. Your quarterback is a rest or a freshman, right? Um, you know, your, your offensive line is pretty much your where your seniors lie when it comes to that, that in the receiving core. And even then, you went out and got two transfers to help a receiving core that was rather pedestrian last season. So I, I think defensively, like like Nick said, like the numbers suggest, they'll be great. They might be the best defense in the MAC next year. They're going to have to be if they're going to make it to a bowl game. And that's kind of how I feel about it, right? Uh, you look at the way – you look at their schedule and the way that that lines up for them. Not a great way to go when you're looking at, you know, possibly probably going, what, one in three in your non-conference – uh, I, I think South Alabama is going to be a much improved outfit, and we'll talk about the Sun Belt later. Um, Buffalo, Akron, and Ball State. And then you get, like I said, then like Nick alluded to, you get 
Ohio and Toledo to end the year doesn't give you like a good stretch of games where you can just, you know, beat up on the guys in and around you or even some of the teams that are lesser than you. I'm just not confident confident in what that offense has not shown me yet. And if you take anything from last year, their highest point total in one game, they, they put up 35, 31, and 28. Those are the highest three point totals that they put up last year. Excuse me, 41 in the buck now. Um, but I, I just – that doesn't bode me any kind of confidence when you're looking at what this team can do this season uh, against teams like we talked about earlier that should be improving in the MAC. Uh, so give me the under, uh, the under here. All right, let's move over to Western Michigan, who we have at 114, five and seven last season. But DK's got their win total down to three and a half. That win total is too low for us to ever be under. So we're definitely over the, the, well, the three and a half. Oh, well, well, it is the Mac. Maybe I speak too soon <laughs> here. Uh, but 114 rated Western Michigan. What do they have to do to, you know, be a 500 team and try to push for a bowl here, Nick? Well, I was more foreshadowing the Sun Belt. There were a couple of unders. I was a little surprised <laughs> toward, the, toward the end there. But uh, Western Michigan, yeah, this this is one where uh, we we just couldn't quite get that low. I I think our projection here is wrong. I you know there's there's a scenario certainly where Western Michigan because they're not going to be completely outclassed from a, a talent perspective in MAC play. Um, they, they could cobble together enough wins. Certainly. I mean, you know, getting to our five win projected, uh, final record four and four in Mac play, that's possible. I, I think that's too optimistic based on the level of, uh, returning players, particularly on defense. I mean, uh, they rank 132nd in defensive returning production. Um, it could have been even worse because Marshawn Nealon, their best uh, defensive lineman had entered the transfer portal, had committed to Colorado, but it sounds like something didn't work out and, and he actually uh, never ended up transferring. Uh, so he is back. Uh, they do bring in a, a couple of uh, potentially impactful uh, transfers, particularly at linebacker and Donald Willis and Jacob Wahlberg. Um, they do get Deshaun Bustle back, who was a, a you know former starter, uh, at corner who missed most of last season due to injury. So there's a chance that, that they're a little bit better on that side of the ball than expected. Uh, they were roughly FBS average last year, defensively 64th in defensive returning or excuse me, de- defensive team performance. The offense was what was just, I mean, one of the very worst in college football, 131st in team performance offensively, 119th passing, 119th rushing. And, you know, they, when they added Hayden Wolf and Kishon King at quarterback and running back respectively from the transfer portal, it helped uh, for a good, you know, the, the very first returning production uh, numbers we saw, they were in triple digits. Um, but Wolf is a, a veteran started 22 games at old dominion. Kishon King transferred from Virginia tech uh, could potentially be in line for a heavy workload and, and is talented. There is a little bit of talent returning at wide receiver, at least some experience in Jelani Galloway, Anthony Sambucci. They get Kenneth Womack and Leroy Thomas transferring in from the FCS level. So, you know, you could talk yourself into this offense being improved. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I think that there's a chance that this defense is going to be one of the worst in 
the Mac. Um, and I know with the, the change in coaching staff at, at Western Michigan, some of the things that I've been reading is they want to go really, really fast on offense. And it worries me a little bit that uh, Lance Taylor is the new head coach. Billy Kosh is the incoming offensive coordinator. He was most recently at Richmond. Uh, Taylor was at Louisville. Um, I just, I don't know if the defense is going to be good enough. And, and if, if the offense uh, struggles a little bit, it's just really going to stress that defense to just be on the field so much. Um, and then, you know, in non-conference play, yeah, they should probably beat St. Francis, the FCS opponent, but then Syracuse, Iowa, they play Mississippi State later. They open Mac play with Toledo. I, I think there's a chance this team just get gets beat up early on, and, and I'm not sure they're going to have enough left at the end of the year to, to you know, make a push. I, I, I think we're probably on the wrong side on this one. Uh, Xavier, your, your thoughts on Western Michigan here. Do you think uh, it, it's tough to be a one-sided team, even in the Mac? So oh, sure. uh, well, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're going to see them struggle. You know, Nick alluded to the schedule. It's, it's, it's hellacious. It's really bad if you're trying to get any kind of confidence for this roster. I don't know what that number is with St. Francis, but uh, we might want to look into that. Uh, I'm just saying. But their, their, their schedule for me just really doesn't do them any favors, and that's first and foremost. You're also talking about a team that brought in two transfers, one in Hayden Wolf, who I got to watch pretty much up close and personal last year. Uh, being in the Sun Belt was okay. Uh, nothing to write home about. You know, had decent yards, but the completion percentage was rather shocking. Um, and, you know, touchdown to interception ratio just wasn't all that great uh, for an old Dominion team who also struggled offensively last year. Um, in a heavy, in a heavily offensive conference, right? Um, so that doesn't necessarily move the needle for me. Kayshawn King might, and I think Nick, I think you completely underplayed what he'll end up having to do as far as running the game, running game is concerned. I, I think heavy doses, you know, maybe maybe underplaying it a bit. And I know that's kind of crazy because he's he might get you know thirty some carries a game. I'm just saying that offensive line is most the most experienced part of their team uh, offensively, especially now, and they're bringing in a, a decent uh, running back as well. Yeah, I see them running the football a lot, even though they want to go fast. You can go, you, you can have a no huddle and run the football. Uh, we've seen it before. The linebacker room is brand new. Their defensive back room is has some new additions as well. Gonna need them to really come back, come in and step up uh, right away. Um, and the defensive line room is probably the best part uh, of their defense, at least returning. Uh, so they're gonna have to play really well uh, on a consistent basis for them to even be in games, in my opinion. I just don't see them putting together a shocking season where. You know, they're able to, you know, win six games and make a bowl game. And I know that, like, three and a half is crazy to go under, but it's, their non-conference schedule doesn't really do them any favors. Um, like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, they have, you know, um, I can't even think of a really bad team at the, time, at the moment. Like, for them to play, that's just going to allow them to, at the beginning of the year to get, you know, kind of their, their feet under them. They get St. Francis, but do we see St. Francis and maybe Eastern Michigan being, like, their only wins this season? Is it possible? Definitely possible. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm crazy enough to go on that limb and say that they may only win two games this year. I'm gonna be honest. So, All right, let, yeah, we're gonna go lightning round through the rest of the MAC because it That's is rough in the streets down here. And uh, <laughs> we got Akron at one sixteen. Nick, uh, their DK win total is four. Uh, we're over the four because it's so low. But your your quick thoughts on Akron. I, I like Akron. I think they're going to be much improved. I think they're going to go to a bowl game. DJ Irons at quarterback. They have 
maybe the best wide receiver duo in the Mac and Alex Adams and Daniel George um, need to see some improvement on defense. They, they have an experienced secondary, the rest, you know, they're, they're going to be relying on some transfers, especially up front. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Akron. And if we finally see a little bit of, of something out of Lorenzo Lingard running back, former five-star recruit, um, I, I think this team could be, good I, I i would not be shocked if akron is playing for a spot in the mac championship game at the end of the season against ohio are you are you as rose colored glasses on akron as nick absolutely is absolutely not uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe he said it um yeah i think their non-conference schedule does them favors i think they should go two and two there but they're gonna have to definitely navigate in my opinion you know at the end of the year here with fe- featuring kent state or sorry miami of ohio and ohio at the end of the year Definitely, if there's a team that, you know, going on Nick's limb can compete at that level, then look, those are going to be the games where you, you know, you you show me that you can do that. Uh, they also get Buffalo right after their non-conference schedule, so no favors there. I'm not going to go nearly as long of a limit as Nick is, uh, but I think they should go over their four DK win total. I don't see why not, but to suggest a team's going from two to two and ten to MAC championship attendee, not going that far. All right, let's go to Eastern Michigan, who has a high DK win total of seven coming off a nine and four season, but we are under the seven for Eastern Michigan here, Nick. What is it about Eastern Michigan that puts us kind of under the the eight ball here for them? It's their roster strength. They rank 119th overall in roster strength, 125th on the the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Samson Evans is an all-conference caliber running back. Tanner Canoe, uh, experienced, productive receiver. Um, but as usual, they're relying on transfers in a lot of places, some new faces, somewhat unknown. Uh, Austin Smith probably going to be the quarterback. He played a little bit when Tyler Powell was injured at times last year, but he just doesn't rate particularly high, 73 in our uh, video game rating. So um, we're, we're probably underrating Eastern Michigan. I think that their defense, as experienced as they are, um, you know, a lot of returning starters, even though they're right around 50th in defensive returning production, it's like nine players hit uh, or eight uh, were, were considered starters get the bold in our team performance because they uh, started more than half the games last year. Um, they should be a little bit healthier. I, I think we're underrating Eastern Michigan. The schedule sets up really, really well outside of Minnesota. Uh, so I am not confident in our, projection under seven i think is is definitely possible but i think this is probably a seven win team so uh we'll probably have to get somewhat lucky um to to hit the under because i just i i don't think we're adequately representing the the talent on the roster all right let's go over to kent state at 124 here uh nick two and a half is their win total um we are over that but I don't know. Looks like it's going to be a rough year for Kent State, one of the lower-ranked teams in all of college football. What is the silver lining here for this team? Well, the the potential silver lining is that the win total is as low as it is. Um, I don't trust our projection. Five wins seems crazy. I mean, Kent State's a lot of uh, you know analytics folks' lowest-rated team. Uh, they're definitely in the in the mix as one thirty-three. Uh, in, in a lot of the rankings that I've seen, um, there's a bit of a question around running back Kai Thomas, who looks like he could be a, a really productive running back, but he's a two-time 
transfer. We haven't seen a lot of waivers go through so far, so uh, not ready to pencil him in yet as a, a starter. Um, but the silver lining is, you know, they do have some uh, transfers coming in, specific, specifically at quarterback, Michael Aliamo, Jalen Lewis, Jaron Lewis, both of those guys are uh, P5 transfers at quarterback. If one works out, you know, could could all come together uh, pretty well. Could have half a dozen transfer starters on on defense. Um, so maybe they're able to win a few, you know, Mac games down the stretch where they are uh, not going to be completely outclassed from a uh, talent standpoint. But the non-conference is, is, you know, really tough. And I expect that this team is probably going to take its lumps early on. We'll just see how healthy they are towards the end of the year and if they're able to, to uh, pull an upset or two. Xavier, your, your thoughts on Kent State? Yeah, not overly optimistic with them this year. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I just don't see them being able to, you know, put it together with the fact that they're losing so much talent on both sides of the ball. I, I'm not a big fan of bringing in a ton of transfers. Um, they've got them everywhere. You know, they've got, I think it's at least six or seven on the offensive side. And I think that another six or seven on the defensive side is you're, you're just asking for a brand new team essentially to come in, you know, you know, in the spring and figure it out by fall camp with that schedule. Nah. All right. Let's go over to the last team in the Mac Bowling green is at 127. And surprisingly, there's a couple teams in the Sun Belt that are worse uh, than than Bowling Green, as uh, Nick kind of alluded to here. But uh, six and seven last season, five is their win total. Lost me a bunch of money, uh, so <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Bowling Green here. Um, we we are under this five. What does Bowling Green have to do to get to get to a bowl game? You know, they can trip into a couple wins. We've seen them beat some good teams in recent history, so. Um, any hope for Bowling Green making a push here, Nick? Yeah, I mean, they could do what they did last year and, and win a couple of games that really nobody saw coming. The week after they lose to FCS Eastern Kentucky, they beat Marshall, <laughs> both of those games in overtime. Uh, they uh, found a way to beat Toledo, as we discussed earlier in the year. So um, it's, it's, it's possible. It could happen. They've got some really interesting players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Will Connor Basilak, who's a you know, former starter at the Power Five level, multiple Power Five uh, uh, stops in, in his resume. Uh, Teron Keith, pretty interesting running back, uh, has has some value um, as a receiver as well. Uh, the the running back group is pretty deep, especially with the return of Terry M. Stewart who really looked like he was a rising star as a freshman a couple of years ago. Adu Hilaire, all-conference caliber uh, wide receiver. The tight end, uh, Harold Fannin Jr. They do some really interesting things, giving him some direct snaps in short yardage goal line situations. Um, Darren Anders is a, a really, really solid linebacker. Demetrius Hardman had a, had a great year last year. But um, this team... Uh, ranked 113th last year in overall team performance. They lost uh, a lot of production on the defensive side of the ball, ranked 112th in returning production overall. I just don't think they're going to be able to uh, cobble together the wins that they were last year. I, I think that this team uh, kind of overachieved their win total based on what you would expect 
as far as, um, you know, the talent on hand and, and sort of the way that they played statistically. Um, and this year, I just don't see them being quite as fortunate. I, I, I uh, think we might be underrating them just a bit, uh, but I, I feel comfortable with being under the five. Xavier? Yeah, I, I, I kind of am siding with the idea that they go over. Um, it's going to have to be from the offensive side of the ball. I think Connor Basil like, is the kind of talent that can elevate an offense um, or elevate this offense in particular, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't see – offensively, I don't see why they can't compete with the rest of the MAC. Um, obviously, that defense is going to have to come around. Um, they brought in a, a number of transfers, um, especially on the back end. But I, I do think they have a shot to at least compete. I'm not saying that they're going to make, you know, they're, they're going to make a bowl game this year uh, like they did last season, but I think they compete. They're going to get close. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, let's go over to the Sun Belt and start out at the tippy top. South Alabama, who we have ranked at 42. Their DK win total is eight. We are officially over that eight, and I can see why looking at this roster, Nick. Lots of returning starters on offense. Lots of returning starters on defense. How high does South Alabama rank in returning production? And is this the reason that we have them first by a decent margin here? They rank second in returning production. And, and that's a big piece of it because this is a 10-win team. Went 7-1 and one in Sunbelt play last year. Came up just short against uh, rival Troy and, and you know missed the, uh, the Sunbelt championship game. But, um, yeah, I, I think... I was a little surprised. We did one update, one last update because our uh, team and, and player stat projections, we finished up finally last week. Um, and that adjusts our uh, prism ratings a little bit, which do impact our team performance ratings just a little bit. And South Alabama edged ahead of Troy coming into last week. Troy was the higher rated uh, team, but um, I'm, I'm somewhat pleased with that because I do think that South Alabama is the team to beat in the Sun Belt, and it will come down again to that game with Troy. It's going to be on a Thursday on the road on a short week. So that's not a great situation. Um, we do have Troy as a one point favorite in that game. Um, South Alabama also has a, a pretty tough non-conference, at least the, you know, two of the first three weeks at Tulane to start. And then they get Oklahoma state on the road in week three. But I mean, we actually have South Alabama favored in that game, uh, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, but yeah, this, this team is just really, really solid. There are no, you know, big holes in the roster. Uh, one of the most experienced teams in the country. They've got a sixth year quarterback, Damian Webb, legitimately a very good running back. He's been a little limited in fall camp. Hopefully you get back up to full speed quickly. Uh, but hearing a lot of really good things about Kentrell Bullock, the transfer from Ole Miss, should be able to add some depth there. The wide receiver group is solid. Uh, the offensive line, four returning starters. Uh, they, they supplemented the depth with transfers. The defense, just about everybody is back. Plus they add Keith Galman junior who missed all of last season due to injury. He's a 35 game starter over a 90 rated player in our, uh, in our individual player ratings. I mean, this team is, is just really, really solid. They're going to be 
difficult to beat. And unless, you know, injuries or, or something like that uh, really impact this team, I, I, I think they're legitimately the team to beat in the Sun Belt. And they're, they're going to have to survive that trip to Troy and, and not slip up anywhere else to get it done. But I think another 10 win season is possible. And I'm, I'm happy we were able to edge just over uh, in, in our projection. Xavier, you like the over for uh, South Alabama as well? Oh, for sure. This is the most complete team in the Sun Belt. I don't really think it's that that far of a limb. Um, I'm taking South Alabama in that game against Oklahoma State later this year. Um, I think that they are the better team right now, at least when, we were, when we've talked about both at this at this point. Um, yeah, I don't see why this team can't run the table outside of the two-lane matchup. That's going to be an interesting game. And the reason for that is because South Alabama last year struggled mightily against Western Kentucky's spread offense. And I really want to see if they fix some of the dip, some of the problems that they had going into that game, especially defensively. Uh, Western Kentucky, I think, put up 44 against them, and they didn't give up over 40, anywhere close to 40 all year. So I think, realistically, that's going to be a game that, that will tell me how good they can be. Uh, but regardless of that matchup, I think they can run the table in the Sun Belt this year. I'm extremely excited for that Troy, uh, Troy matchup later this year. Uh, but other than that, the only team I think that even comes close is maybe Marshall. Um, they're going to be an interesting one because now this year they qualified for they they qualified for the Sunbelt Conference title game. They got a little bit more to play for this year, and they and they kind of ran buckshot over some teams last year. Uh, but I don't think it'll be South Alabama that, that they they get a hold of. I really like this team from top to bottom. I think they're the opposite of my analogy. They're bringing back all their guys, and it's just going to be that much better. Uh, so yeah, give me South Alabama on the over um, for sure. I think eight's a little light. I think they. I think a lot of these are a little light, to be honest with you. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. But give me the over for South Alabama. All right, let's go to the second team in the Sun Belt here, Troy, who ranks number fifty. They were twelve and two last season. DK's got their win total at eight. We are over this squad as well. So over on some big totals here to start here, Nick. But Troy, another team that brings back a lot of returning production, specifically on the defensive side, with some really good players. And they look locked and ready to go for this season. So I, I like being on the over for Troy as well. Yeah, I mean, Xavier said it, the, a lot of the win totals look like they're a little low, especially towards the top. Um, the Sun Belt has become uh, one of the top group of five conferences. There's just a lot of really solid teams, and Troy is definitely in that mix. Um, the The returning production numbers – don't look super impressive, but a lot of the key pieces are back. So I'm not as worried. So they're, they're 85th in overall returning production, 77th on offense, 88th on defense, but it looks like, uh, you know, when, when you just glance at our um, depth chart projections, I mean, there's, there's a lot of experience there. I mean, Gunnar Watson isn't the most spectacular quarterback, but is solid experience, kind of like Carter Bradley at South Alabama, you know, probably not going to mess the, you know, not going to lose you a game, we'll say. Um, he does get Jabre Barber back, who missed a big chunk of last season due to uh, injury. And Barber, I mean, I've, I've read a lot, read up on Troy a lot. The Troy Messenger does a great job covering the program. And the, the coaching staff just raves about Barber. And getting him back, I think, is a, is a big deal. Uh, Kamani Vidal is another really solid uh, running back. 
Um, there, there are quite a few that we were talking about today. And Vidal is, is up there with the best of them. I think, um, 218 pounds, solid product, you know, can, can carry a heavy workload, but this year might not have to, cause they added Asa Martin, former, I mean, I think he's on his fourth school now, but, um, went to Auburn, Miami, somewhere at Memphis, maybe some, something, um, but is talented, capable. Um, and then the defense, I mean, they they had a couple of unfortunate instances. Uh, TJ Jackson, who is an all-conference caliber player, almost a 100-rated player in our individual player ratings, suspended indefinitely at the beginning of fall camp. Haven't heard an update. Not sure if he's going to be able to play this year. Reggie Bracey, incoming transfer from Iowa, probably expected to take over one of those uh, safety spots where they where they did lose a starter. He apparently um, is uh, implicated in the ongoing gambling uh, situation that that is, uh, you know, that, that Iowa and Iowa State are, are dealing with. So he's suspended, not participating with the team. So uh, that's that's a little bit of a loss. But with Richard Juvenor, Javon Solomon, Reddy Stewart, uh, Jane McDonald is is back, and I think back to 100. percent He missed a large chunk of last season. Uh, due to injury, you know, I think the the core is there for Troy, even with a couple of, um, you know, they're 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 going to miss some guys. They're they're especially going to miss T.J. Jackson. But um, I think that enough returns on both sides of the ball that you're not really seeing a major question mark anywhere. I mean, maybe it's safety now maybe on the offensive line because you're counting on a couple of incoming transfers and, and, you know, an inexperienced player at potentially one of the tackle spots. But even then, I'm not, I'm not that worried. I think this Troy team is, is uh, very much going to be in the mix in the Sunbelt West. Um, and they draw, you know, that South Alabama game at home on a short week. That's a, that's a pretty good spot. That, that means a lot, I think. Um, so as long as they're able to overcome, you know, some of those losses, some of those spots that are a little thinner now on defense than we would have expected a month ago, uh, I, I feel pretty good about this Troy team and, and think getting to the over is, is, uh, definitely, definitely possible. Xavier, your thoughts on Troy. Do you think, uh, they're going to be hitting this over as well? I like the over, but man, Gunnar Watson got to do better. He's got to do more for me to be like a staunch, like Troy supporter this year. He just – 14 touchdowns, 12 INTs, ain't going to cut it, my guy. Like, I, I need you to take that next step as a quarterback um, where you can not only, you know, be uh, be lifted by the, te- the people around you. That's great. I need you to be able to lift the people around you as well. Um, and this year, I think if he makes that step, they're going to be the best team in the Sun Belt. You know, now I, I really think that their offense leads to him to do so. He showed some signs against UTSA last year. Obviously, he threw a pick, but threw two touchdowns. Um, that Troy defense was amazing against UTSA, which may, which gives me obviously a lot of confidence with that that they can run the table again. Uh, but once again, for me, if they're gonna win the Sun Belt, it's gonna have to come down to that man Gunner. Like the defense is great; it's all world at times. But if they're going to really, you know, put a stamp on this season, he has to be better. He can't be a part of the team where you know you're going into the week and you just know Gunner's not gonna beat us. So Gunner Watson, make that next step. I think they'll get over uh, the DK win total anyways, uh, but in spite of him. But if he takes that next step and he could be like a 22 touchdown, 
10 interception guy, they might run the table for sure. They might run the table um, outside of that Kansas State game for sure. All right, let's go over to Marshall, who ranks number 62. And another strong team here. DK has them for seven. We are over another high total here on Marshall at seven. This team looks good, Nick. A lot of returning product, production here as well. Um, some transfers, three to start on offense, three to start on defense. So we could see an improvement. Another good team here at the top of the Sun Belt. Yeah, I think so. Um, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, the returning production numbers are actually a little bit better than uh, what they show because uh, Rashin Ali only played a handful of games last season. He's on the very short list of best running backs in the country. Um, so him back and, and healthy, getting to see him at the end of last season um, was big, was was very important. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's working behind an offensive line that uh, has replaced a couple of starters, re- relying on an incoming transfer. And the unit actually last year, uh, even though Kalen Laybourne and, and Ali at the end of the year were so good, uh, the, the offense as a whole was a little bit disappointing. They were 117th in offensive team performance, just 87th rushing. So they weren't a very efficient uh, rushing team. And then the, the passing offense was, was pretty non-existent. So Cam Fancher, returning starter at quarterback, needs to play better. They did bring in TJ McMahon, transfer from Rice, who's experienced uh, fifth or sixth year player. And it sounds like Fancher is still going to hold on to the job. Last I heard, he was in the lead. But, you know, they did bring in some insurance with McMahon. And if Fancher doesn't improve, which, you know, he was a a freshman last year, redshirt freshman. But um, if he doesn't get better, you know, maybe they make a move there uh, and try to get a little bit more out of the passing game, which they've got some receivers in, you know, Charles Montgomery, Talit Keaton, um, incoming transfer to Marcus Harris, Mason Pierce. I, I, I think that there's enough to, to, you know, there's enough talent on hand that this should be a much better offense. I think that playing, you know, an FBS average, uh, level offensively is a reasonable expectation, uh, especially when you can really lean on Rashin Ali, assuming he's going to be, uh, fully healthy. Uh, and then defensively, this was one of the best defenses in the country last year. I mean, no qualifiers. I mean, they were fourth in defensive returning production. So that's adjusted for strength of schedule. And Marshall was top five in the country. Uh, Number six against the run, 16th against the pass. They do bring back Owen Porter, who had a just massive, massive year last year. Uh, They do bring back Micah Abraham, who's also an all-conference caliber player. Uh, Sam Burton had a really solid year last year. They are really, really transfer heavy, especially in the secondary, in the linebacker core. So a lot has to go right there. Um, they do rank 99th in returning production on defense. They get a little bit of a boost because a handful of those transfers are, are uh, somewhat experienced. Um, but they are trying to plug in a lot of new pieces around Porter and around Abraham. So I do expect that you know it's it's going to be very very difficult to put together another top 10 defense but this team should still be solid on that side of the ball top 25 defense top 40 defense very reasonable if we see the offense take a step forward which i think is is possible this marshall team is going to be 
they're going to be tough to beat. Um, they do get an early bye week, so it could drag a little bit towards the end of the season. That does worry me just a bit. Um, getting South Alabama in the next to last week is uh, going to be tough. Um, but Marshall is our highest ranked team out of the East, and and making it to the uh, conference title game is is definitely possible. At least you know according to our power rankings, they're the team to beat. Xavier, uh, Marshall looks good, but like Nick said, a lot of plugging new guys in and, you know, that can set you back to start. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, I like Marshall a lot. The one question I do have for them going, coming into this year is the element of surprise is kind of gone. Last year was your first year in a new conference. Teams had to figure out how to play you kind of on the fly, right? The tape comes in kind of slow every now and then, uh, you know, now you all of a sudden you have to figure out how they play, you know, and they kind of took the conference by storm last year. right? I, I, I really think they took a, a lot of people by surprise in the way that they played last season. Um, but that's not going to be able to be the case this year. And how do they feel now with being the hunted? That's another piece, too. They're going to come in this year as a team that would have, I think, would have played in the Sunbelt Championship last year if eligible. Everybody knows that. Like, oh, no, no. That's uh, James Madison. Thank you. Um, but once again, a team that had, went nine and four, beat App State last year, which is not something, which is not a, a, a feat that you you know you snark at in, in Sun Belt at all. Um, you know, played pretty well against Coastal Carolina last year as well. Beat Georgia State. Beat Georgia Southern. Uh, beat you know beat old shut out Old Dominion. So they're not going to be a team that surprises anybody, especially you know with the fact that like I said, they're going into their second year in the Sun Belt, and like Nick alluded to, they've got. 10 straight games that as a former player that sounds awful i'm sorry i need a bye week somewhere in there to just lick my wounds a little bit um but yeah i I think this is a team that at the very least puts itself in the conversation i'm going to pick the over for them as well i think their their non-conference schedule they beat albany they beat east carolina uh virginia tech they may beat Virginia Tech. I mean, this is the team that beat Notre Dame last year. I don't know if they're favored in that Virginia Tech matchup, but they might. They should be for me, um, at the current at this current uh, standpoint. So I think they go over. Um, obviously, getting Coastal Carolina and getting James Madison, Coastal Carolina, and App State not a fun, you know, back to back to back portion of the schedule. But outside of that, I think they can control their schedule pretty well, and they should go over that seven win total. All right, let's go over to 66 Coastal Carolina, who finished nine and four last season. Seven and a half is their DK win total. And another team, we are over on the win total for these high teams, which is not a trend that we see a bunch, but another team that brings back a lot on offense, defense, not so much. I believe eight returning starters, including an off conference QB in our guy, Grayson McCall, on offense, and only two returning starters with three transfers coming in for Coastal Carolina on defense. So does the offense have to be the catalyst and score a bunch of points and win some shootouts here, Nick? Or do we think this Coastal Carolina defense can gel together and make them halfway decent here? I'm not super optimistic. Um, Coastal Carolina is a team that, one, (laughs) this is – this is a, a situation that's definitely going to irk me because uh, we are at 7.51 projected wins. So, you know, if we hadn't uh, gone over the, the 100 cap, if we hadn't, uh, you know, for our individual player ratings, gone past what, what had been the, the maximum in years past for Grayson McCall, who has been incredible. I mean, super, super 
productive career, uh, deserves it, is one of the best, you know, quarterbacks, certainly in the Sun Belt and has has been uh, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in, in college football the last few years. So um, he deserves that 107 and a half rating. But if he had been captain 100, we'd be on the under here and I'd feel a lot better because uh, there's a lot of questions for Coastal Carolina. I mean, you hit on the defense. That, that is a, a big one for sure. This unit was not good last year, ranked 107th in defensive team performance. Could not stop anybody through the air. They were 128th against the pass in team performance. Uh, and the rushing defense wasn't that much better. They were 94th. They rank 122nd in defensive returning production. They lost one of their best players as a transfer to Michigan. Uh, it, it's just, you know, I, I'm not, other than the coaching change, which sometimes does mix things up a little bit, um, there's the potential for, for that side of the ball to, to be coached a little bit better under Craig Nagler, um, new, new defensive coordinator, most recently at SMU. USC prior to that, <laughs> which, you know, in 2021 and 2020, not, not great defensively for, for USC. Uh, but, you know, so there, there's, a, there's a chance that we see a little bit of an improvement on that side of the ball. Uh, it's going to be uh, somewhat difficult to, to be worse statistically, quite honestly. And then I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that we are going to see a bit of a step back offensively. Getting Grayson McCall back, awesome. Incredible quarterback to build around he does have you know some experience around him especially at the skill positions three returning starters at wide receiver sam pinkney quite good jared brown very explosive tyson mobley experienced uh at running back even though neither reese white or uh brayden bennett or cj beasley technically count as a returning starter all of them have starting experience um they could be a very very good trio but, you know, the offensive line was not spectacular last year, has to replace a couple of starters. And then I just don't really know what to make of, of the transition from Jamie Chadwell, who had been uh, really had, had ramped up Coastal Carolina offensively, especially um, to be one of the most fun and exciting teams in, in, in the country. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they backed into the Sun Belt championship game last year because James Madison was not eligible um, and then just kind of fell apart at the end of the season. Grace McCall not being fully healthy was, was a big part of that. Uh, but Tim Beck, you know, had been at, at NC state uh, first time head coach um, has been a lot of, you know, big places. Was it Texas? Was it Ohio state? Was it Nebraska for a long time? Um, so the, the, the chance is he'll be a solid, head coach, but it's his first time doing it and the offense is going to change. So will Grayson McCall be the same type of quarterback without Jamie Chadwell calling the plays? I'm not sure. You know, I've, I've got a lot of questions. So uh, my confidence level is not high. I am glad that, you know, McCall is, is back. He had briefly entered the transfer portal. Um, Getting him back is is reason to hope that they'll get to that eighth win. But the defense, unless we see a major turnaround there, and if the offense is able to, um, you know, keep going, which I'm somewhat skeptical of with the the coaching change, uh, I, I think that there's a, a really uh, good chance we see a, a step back in the win column for Coastal Carolina this year.
Xavier, you also expecting a setback for Coastal? I mean, offense looks good, but it's a new system, new coaches, uh, and the defense, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm with Nick on the fact that there's a lot of change going on. But if anybody can help you bounce back from change, it's having one of the better quarterbacks in, you know, um, in college football over the last couple of years on your roster, right? I think McCall is just good enough in some respects to make up for some of what you're going to lose from Jamie Chadwell leaving. Obviously, my biggest concern is on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Coastal Carolina wasn't a great defense even when Jamie Chadwell was there. Uh, They were, like, right above average to good at times, but they weren't, like, a lockdown defense whatsoever. Um, So that's what concerns me a little bit. Uh, Their non-conference schedule is really – is rather manageable. Uh, Jacksonville State, Duquesne, both should win those games. UCLA, obviously, is a a whole other monster. Uh, They get Army later in the year, which is his own headache. Uh, But they should be able to handle that pretty well. I just think that they, for me, outside of Marshall, they're just by far and away, I think, a more complete team than anybody else, maybe outside of App State in the East. Uh, so even though I do think there's going to be some some growing pains there, I think they'll be fine. They also get a bye week right before they play App State. So, you know, your biggest game or maybe your second biggest game in the East this year, you get time before that to prepare. I think they'll be okay. I'm going to go with the over with them. Um, I, I see them going at least eight wins because I just don't think the rest of the East is, is going to really pick on their weaknesses, for lack of a better term. I think they have just enough offense to get over the hump there and get to eight wins. All right, let's go over to App State, who is always competitive. Uh, they are at six and six. Their DK win total is six and a half. We are, of course, over on App State here. Um, but this is probably going to be mainly on the coaching staff here, Nick, because they don't return a ton uh, new new QB, new receivers. I guess they do return um, a decent portion of this O-line uh, on defense, though, not a lot and a lot of transfers coming in. So um, looks like App State is in a transition year for App State, which means that they're ranked like fifth in the Sun Belt instead of first where they normally are. So what do we think about uh, App State here? Well, I uh, early in the process of rebuilding our team profiles, I I thought there was going to be a really good chance that App State was going to be a bottom half team in the Sun Belt. Um, I was somewhat pleasantly, I don't know if pleasantly is even the right word, surprised that they are fifth um, because I've some things are not necessarily trending in a great direction for app state i mean they were uh, team performance wise consistently a top 20 team um dating back to 2018 they were they were 19th or better in that four-year stretch uh they were top 30 or better all the way back to 2015 and then last year you know 52nd not not the end of the world i mean for a sunbelt team to be right around top 50 um, is solid because, you know, that's playing at a higher level statistically than what their talent profile shows. And App State's done that for a long time. They're never, you know, super high in, in roster strength, even um, when they do have a lot of experience at the quarterback position. You know, it, it just doesn't always uh, work out with the rest of the roster for them to, to uh, have a 
roster that that ranks anywhere near FBS average. That that's been pretty rare, even as good as they've been on the field. And then this year, they do have the change, you know, the the change at quarterback. They've relied on transfers for for a little bit. Now we're going to see probably redshirt freshman Ryan Berger, um, Joey Aguilar, the the junior college uh, transfer. Seemed like he was behind entering fall camp. Something, you know, a thing or two I've read mentioned maybe it's gotten a little closer, but pretty much everyone expects uh, that Berger is is going to be the starting quarterback. He just isn't experienced, you know, not a really highly rated uh, recruit, you know, mid to low three-star guy, uh, has played in one career game. So he's a low 70s player in our, our individual player ratings, which is probably underrating him. You know, probably uh, put some production points up relatively quickly. They can rely on, uh, you know, Nate Noel, uh, all-conference caliber running back, who's split the the workload for the majority of his career to date, but still been quite productive. Uh, will he continue to, uh, you know, share that load? They, they bring in Markel uh, Haywood, a transfer from Navy, who's pretty exciting, has done some, uh, you know, made some big plays uh, in the return game mostly, but uh, I think does have the potential to be, um, a solid running back at the you know Sunbelt level. Uh, Monty Marshall, Anderson Castle, Kanye Roberts, uh, even true freshman Jalen Calhoun, who they're pretty excited about, I think. Um, there's some depth at running back behind Noel, even though Noel could be you know one of the top uh, players in the Sunbelt. Might not have to be. Uh, and then, you know, at receiver, it's, it's not a whole lot as far as just the, the – a uh, number of starts returning. Christian Horn's the only um, returning starter officially, but Caden Robinson, Dalton Stroman, who's a big target, sounds like is going to be really heavily featured in the red zone. Uh, a couple of intriguing incoming transfers, Makai Jackson, Scooby Ford. But yeah, App State, I just, I don't know. The, the roster strength numbers aren't quite there. They're always a little lower than maybe they should be. So I get that. Um, but just... The step back last year, uh, even though it was only to 52nd, it, it seemed worse than that. Watching it, the eye test I think was worse than the uh, than than what the you know stats would would indicate. Um, and I'm just not sure that there's a whole lot of evidence to suggest a, a real bounce back to that uh, just level where we expect App State to play in the conference title game every year. I just, I don't know. I, I, we are on the over. And so leaning on that history is, is, uh, it's certainly possible, you know, maybe they proved me wrong, but just my, my personal opinion is we're on the wrong side on this one. I, I think that this app state team is going to struggle to get back to six wins again, like they did last year. Xavier, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be a struggle for App State, or do you think that this is something that they can pull off here? So this is where Nick's numbers versus my experiences kind of clashes, because as much as I agree with Nick with Nick's numbers, I love returning production. I love a lot of you know uh, team strength. App State just doesn't stay down for long. They just don't. Like I understand they went six and six last year. Watch them pull off an eight and four season this year with a redshirt freshman at quarterback and everything clicks for them in the second half of the season. Like they just, they're not a team that I consistently look at and go, 
yeah, one bad season definitely means, or one, you know, one down year for them definitely means that it's going to, you know, compile into two. This is a team that very well could have beat North Carolina last year if it wasn't for everything that went down. Obviously, there's also a team that could have missed a bowl game if they don't hit a Hail Mary as well. So I'm just not sure. I, I really feel strongly about the fact that I think they'll get through their non-conference schedule at bare minimum, you know, three and uh, four and one, or the first five games, excuse me, three and two, four and one. After that, is kind of just up for grabs, but that Georgia State, Georgia Southern dominance that they've had over the conference or had over the had over those two teams in particular the last couple of years. I say last couple of years, that's being nice. I think gives them what set, will give them seven wins. Give me the over. They just somehow are going to be able to put it all together. They're going to finish seven and five, eight and four, and App State's going to have a quote unquote down year, similarly to what we did with like teams like Clemson, like last year, where they're like, oh yeah, they had a horrible year. And then we look up and they go, oh, actually went eight and four in the conference and their redshirt freshman looks like he's poised to put together a really good sophomore uh, sophomore season. So give me the over with App State. I'm going to stick with history on this one. If I'm wrong, I'll look for the numbers next season. All right, let's go down to number 79, James Madison here. Interesting team, eight and three last season. DK has got their win total at the same eight, but we are significantly under that total here. And interesting team here because five returning starters on offense, zero returning skill position players. So that is very interesting for a team like James Madison, some decent returning starters on uh, defense. What do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven returning starters on defense, which is very nice for them. Uh, but what do you think, Nick? This is a, uh, I, I not too many times have you seen an entire returning offensive line and <laughs> nobody behind them returning. That is just a weird situation. Yeah, and, and there's there's some reason, I think, to expect that the offense could struggle. I mean, the, the quarterback competition is ongoing. Last year, you know, nobody expected Tonson Teo to, to have the type of season that, that he did. So there's reason, I think, to be optimistic that the, the coaching staff, the system, uh, it, it, they're going to be fine. Um, that, you know, Jordan McLeod, who's got some, he's 19 games started in his career at USF and uh, Arizona. Um, some reason to expect that he probably has the edge, but Billy Atkins, Alonzo Barnett, uh, and, and Brett Griffiths, I know we're all competing, uh, still a little, um, uh, still a little uh, uncertain as to, to who is going to come out with that job. Um and so as a result, you know, uh, should we assume whoever it is, is they're just going to be able to plug in and operate at the same level they did last year? Uh, you know, I lean yes, because Tatsantio didn't really do anything special at uh, Temple or, or Colorado State and then just exploded last season. But also, you know, Chris Thornton's not there. Um, the wide receiver group is, is almost brand new, as you mentioned. Reggie Brown is the most experienced receiver and, and expect him to start at one of those spots. Elijah Surratt uh, was a, a productive player at the FCS level transferring in. Sounds like Taji Hudson transferred from East Carolina uh, has been the most consistent wide receiver in fall camp, but there's a lot of unknowns there. You know, they, they uh, have played a lot of running backs in the past. So Latrell Palmer um, has, uh, has, you know, he's not not super inexperienced. Expect that he'll probably be able to step in. Tyson Lawton transfer coming in 
Keelan Black, Solomon Van Hose, Van Horse, all those guys have played in the past, have started multiple games, um, have been productive in spurts, Palmer most, most uh, specifically. So I think that they're going to be fine in the offensive skill positions, but they might, you know, they might take a little bit of a step back. This was a team that ranked top 50 in offensive team performance, top 20 in passing team performance. I think that there's a, a strong possibility that the passing offense, you know, is going to be close to FBS average, maybe a little worse than that. I think there's a chance they'll be just as good, maybe a little better running the football, especially with that experience on the offensive line, as you mentioned. Uh, defensively, similar to what we said about Marshall, this was legitimately one of the best defenses in the country. Top 10 in team performance last year and their top 20 in defensive returning production. James Carpenter back is big in the middle of that defensive line. He played a ridiculous number of snaps for an interior defensive lineman last year, over 90%. Um, they bring back both starting linebackers, multiple starters in the secondary. They do lose their most, uh, probably their, their best defensive player, ended up transferring uh, to Old Miss and Isaac Ukwu. But, you know, this, this team, this defense, I think has the potential. Top 10 is asking a lot, but should, is, is very, very capable of having another, you know, top 25, top 20 defense. Um, and this is a team we've, we've discussed before that just the, making the transition from the FCS level, the way we calculate roster strength, we're just going to be too low on them. So I think that we are too low on James Madison, our prism projections, which only take into account, uh, stats, they are 53rd. So that's a pretty significant jump forward, um, factoring in their, their roster strength as we do in the team strength numbers drops James Madison 20 spots in the power rankings. Uh, so we're too low, but we are um, low enough that I think that looking on, you know, trying to, to convince ourselves of how we can hit this under eight questions at quarterback questions at the offensive skill positions. If it doesn't come together, eight's, uh, eight's a lot of wins. You know, that last team, last year's team had a top 10 defense and a top 50 offense and they only won eight games in 11 opportunities. They have 12 this year. but um, So I, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, they do play Troy in, in the uh, crossover and South Alabama. That's tough, all in the first half of the season. So, you know, there's there's reasons to expect that, that this James Madison team might be similarly uh, good as they were last year, but but maybe not win as many games. But also, last year was so good, and and I do feel like our roster numbers underrate them so much that my my level of confidence is not high, despite the fact that this is one of our biggest differences in our win projection plus, uh, you know, compared to the odds makers. Xavier, your thoughts on James Madison? Do you, uh, are are you with Nick? Where I don't know, something doesn't feel right here. No, even the under. Uh, I think, yeah, I. I they are a team that last year genuinely took everybody by surprise. I think they took themselves by surprise in some respects. Uh, offensively, they were just so excellent at times. I just I couldn't I couldn't realize what we had added to the conference uh, when they went and beat App State in Boone uh, and beat them with with offense first was just 
extremely impressive. Obviously, going into App State and winning at all is impressive in the Sun Belt, but to do so in your first time around, chef's kiss for them. Uh, but I will say, I think they tailed off a little bit at the end of the year. On uh, you know, you know, they had a three game stretch there where they kind of lost their footing, losing the Georgia Southern at Georgia Southern, Marshall, Louisville. Um, and then, you know, they had a pretty in, in impressive uh, performance against us last year. When I say us, I mean Georgia State, uh, where they were able to put up 42, but they also gave up 40 uh, to a team that finished four and eight last year. Um, so I think this year teams <laughs> will have a better idea of what they're attempting to do on offense. I don't see Jordan McLeod throwing nearly as well as the quarterback did last year. So that's going to be one wrinkle there that I'm not too high on. Uh, the other piece to this as well is defensively. I think they can be had a little bit. I think Georgia State may have put some of the blueprint out there to be like, yeah, you want to beat them. This is how you do so. I think we ran the football for like 250 plus. Uh, It was some stupid number, but it's Georgia State football. That's what they do. Um, So I think the blueprint might be out for them a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to replicate. You know what? I'm sure that they won't be able to replicate exactly what they were able to do offensively last year. But that defense, but that returning all five starters on that offensive line should really help out a ton for them, uh, at least offering some uh, form of stability on the offensive side of the football. I'm just not sold on the fact that they can do what they did last season in a conference that sees it coming with their replacement now at quarterback, running back, and um, at some of your receiver spots, especially in in, a, in this conference where you're going to have to put up points to win games. Just gonna you're, There's going to be a game where you have to put up 40. It might be multiple games that, they, that you have to put up 40 to win, um, and I'm just not sure that they can do that. I'm cool saying under for them with them still having a good season, finishing around seven and five. So I'm going to go under on James Madison. No slight to them, but I don't think that they're going to compete for the uh, Sun Belt East like they did last season. All right, let's go over to uh, Xavier's team here, Georgia State, number 82. Uh, four and eight last season, a rough year. Five and a half is their DK win total, but we are over that uh, five and a half almost by a full game here, Nick. So uh, obviously we have a little bit better feeling on Georgia State than DK does. I think so, and, and I think it's understandable. Um, Georgia State doesn't rank super high in returning production, 100th overall, 118th on the defensive side of the ball, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, but this, they set up somewhat similarly to Coastal Carolina. Obviously, you know, coming off of a different uh, level of success. But Darren Granger, one of the best quarterbacks in uh, the conference and, you know, incredibly productive, can run, can throw. Sounds like he's put on like 20 pounds and uh, is like 6'4", 220 now or something. Um, I think there's there's really a lot to like with him. Uh, there's also a lot to like, I mean, Xavier mentioned it, you know, the running game is, has been consistently – uh, quite good in, in raw numbers. They're 63rd in offensive returning production, or excuse me, uh, offensive team performance running the football uh, coming off of last year. So not quite as good in the sort of efficiency numbers, uh, but a better passing attack than you might realize. Um, and, you know, they're going to lose Jamari Thrash, transferred to Louisville. That's That hurts a little bit. Robert Lewis coming back, uh, Jakai Creedle coming back, Jakari Carter transferring in. Uh, former Clark Central Gladiator Rico Arnold transferred in as well. Interesting to see if he'll be able to, to bounce back after bouncing around from Charlotte to UMass and, and now Georgia State. Um, but I, I'm fairly optimistic. I think the offense 
has a chance to be just as good, if not better. Marcus Carroll, I'm really excited about at the running back position. KZ Adams uh, is one of the most like prolific running backs in South Carolina high school history. Excited to see what he can do with a little more uh, opportunity. I think that'll be a solid one-two combo at the running back position. And then defensively, yeah, there's there's some concern. This unit was a little below average, 83rd in team performance overall defensively, 80th against the pass, 91st against the run. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I – even though the returning pro- returning production numbers are a little rough, there is still you know some uh, experience to build around, especially at the linebacker position. John Trey Hunter, uh, Jordan uh, Veneziali, my apologies if I mispronounced that. Um, some uh, some of the the losses through the transfer portal hurt. Uh, a couple of of starters could have returned to Georgia State and, and instead transferred to. Uh, power five programs, but I think there's reason to be optimistic that, you know, they, they do bring in some experienced transfers, um, a combination of guys, you know, like Kevin Swint, who we don't have right now projected to start at line or start at linebacker, but he's a transfer from Clemson. Uh, but then also, you know, at safety, you've got Taiji Leach, who's uh, a transfer uh, moving up to the FBS level. So I think they've, they've, done a pretty good job of kind of mixing in guys who are talented, didn't quite work out at the power five level guys who are experienced at the FCS level, taking a step up. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that they'll be able to uh, construct a defense. That's if not going to be better, at least will be able to maintain what they did last year. And I just think that this is a team that could play the same level like they could they could rank 77th in overall team performance again this year and have three more wins i think that is is very very possible so i'm optimistic that georgia state is going to get back to a bowl game i think the offense is good enough and i think the defense is is going to be able to not take a huge step back and hopefully they'll be able to to navigate the schedule uh well enough to to get us to the over because i i think that this team is very capable of doing it xavier i'm just gonna say georgia state and let you go so uh your your thoughts on your squad here all right let's 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 do this nice and neatly i'm gonna keep it very simple okay defense 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 it didn't exist last year. It has struggled to exist at Georgia State the last couple of seasons. Your offense has been able to make up for it the last couple of years, but we've got to find a way to play defense. I, it's not rocket science, but your team has one of has featured one of the best rushing attacks in the country for the last half a decade almost, and you still have been able to figure out how to lose games with a great rushing attack which is like the one thing that should help a bad defense. However, it does not. Um, I just, if we're going to, if Georgia State's going to take that consistent step of being a team that can compete in the Sun Belt East, which is where they were trending before last season. They had, they had a couple of years, you know, obviously the upset went over Tennessee. You have the big wins. Uh, you know, you almost be uh, Auburn uh, the year before, the, uh, the year prior, right? You lose to Auburn uh, late in that game. You, you, um, but you finished eight and four that season in particular last year, you, you really competed with South Carolina for about a half. And then that all kind of fell apart. 
It's because your defense was not able to hold its water. It's time for the defense to be able to do what they were brought on campus to do. If that happens, then they'll be fine. They play a weak non-conference schedule, all things considered, right? Rhode Island, Connecticut, Charlotte, handle business. We're not going to say LSU because that game's a watch. We all know what's going to happen there. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, you get Coastal Carolina and Troy extremely early in the season. You get them in your first five games. You get nine days to prepare for Troy because Coastal Carolina is on Thursday. All right. Then you get a bye week. And outside of Marshall, I think you can compete with every other team on this list. Run the table, guys. Louisiana, Georgia Southern. I think you compete with James Madison. We all understand the bogey team that App State has been for them over the last couple of years. But if what Nick says happens, we have a chance against App State. And then Old Dominion. We all know how bad Old Dominion is. Georgia State, if you're going to go ahead and make another bowl game and once and solidify yourself as one of the competitors moving into the 2024 season, you've got to be able to put together a defense that has a pulse quarters one through three and doesn't just show up in the fourth quarter when you're already down two scores. And then lastly, Darren Granger. It's time to hit the easy stuff, kid. Last year, your passing numbers were pedestrian. But if you go back and watch a lot of his tape, it's because he's not hitting the easy stuff. He's not taking what the defense gives him. I understand how much of an athlete he is. He's an extremely gifted athlete. I'm going to need you to use your arm more because I think that is the one thing that Georgia State has not been able to do since Dan Ellington left, which is just throw the football when it's necessary. Third and nine should not be third and eight. Third and nine should not just be an automatic death sentence for this team. Slash Sean Elliott shouldn't feel forced to have to call draws on third and seven every possession because he doesn't trust his quarterback to throw the football consistently. You get Darren Granger to take that step as a passer and you get your defense to have a pulse this season. Bowl game easy. If not, we'll be staring at another five and seven, four and sixteen, or four and eighteen that disappointed. And I think it's some belt east that outside of the top two teams, as alluded earlier is rather competitive, and you can make noise in it. You just got to be able to play defense. All right. Well, hey, we got the full breakdown there. Let's go to Georgia Southern at 87. Uh, last season, they finished six and seven. Six and a half is their uh, win total as of right now. We are under that six and a half, just slightly, Nick. Uh, big change on offense for them last year, and they went through pretty well. So uh, second year, you'd expect, Maybe it's a little better, but we got a new QB here in Davis Brin. So what are our thoughts on Georgia Southern going into 2023? Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to get a full breakdown of uh, Georgia Southern too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, so Georgia Southern was a great example of why nobody has the excuse anymore of, oh, we completely changed our offensive philosophy, right? With a new coaching staff, they go from triple option to, you know, spread it out, air raid style, um, brought in, you know, Clay Helton, uh, his brother is the head coach at Western Kentucky, bring in a, a play caller with that type of background. And it worked quite well, worked better than expected, especially with Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess Jr., who were on the Georgia Southern roster already at wide receiver, step in and become incredibly productive players. Both are back. Jalen White, Kept them balanced, uh, a really productive season as a running back. Uh, J.J. McAfee, really interesting kind of hybrid wide receiver tight end uh, who put up, uh, we ran some fantasy specific numbers in our returning production uh, database this past year. And J.J. McAfee uh, ranked in the top five 
at the tight end position in fantasy points per play. Um, so, you know, pretty interesting weapon, offensive weapon there as well. Bring in Anthony Keeley from Syracuse, Jalen Barden from Pitt, uh, as wide receiver transfers who could, uh, you know, have a power five background, could step in, fight for that third, uh, starting wide receiver spot. DeAndre Buchanan, pretty highly rated true freshman coming in. Here's some good things, uh, out of him. Um, and then another fairly interesting name to me, Sam Kinnerson, who was a option quarterback started uh or, or you know played a, a fair amount uh earlier in his season missed most of last year due to injury but kind of intrigued to see what he can do at the wide receiver position tj lewis an incoming transfer former uh both quarterback and defensive back at louisville is playing wide receiver at georgia southern six four big target uh I'm, I'm just really really interested to see how it all comes together davis Brin. Had some really solid moments at Tulsa, um, has dealt with some injuries and couldn't quite keep his grip on that starting quarterback job last year. But I think expectations for him are pretty high and, and think he'll be able to step in and do just as well, if not even better, that you know, Kyle Van Treese did last year for Georgia Southern. So offensively, I mean, the offensive line looks pretty good. Khalil Crowder's a, a – all-conference caliber player, one of three returning starters. They add a starter from uh, Georgia State who transferred uh, in-state uh, in Bryson Broadway. So I think I think offensively we're going to continue to see a top 50 team and team performance. Might even have a shot at, you know, inching into that top 35 level. Uh, defensively, I've got some questions because Georgia Southern ranked 127th in defensive team performance overall, 129th against the run. And they rank 112th in returning production on the defensive side. Uh, they lost multiple starters, good players in the secondary. They're going to be very transfer heavy in the back seven, especially behind the uh, returning starters at linebacker Marquise Watson, Trent and Kadri Jackson. But there's not a whole lot of reason to be optimistic that the defense is going to be much better. They're going to have to win a lot of shootouts um, to get back to a bowl game. And, and I do think that six wins is possible, but I think that unless we see a, a step forward defensively, significant step forward defensively, and I don't see a lot of evidence to, to suggest that we will, I think the ceiling for this team is, is relatively low. And so I don't, I don't hate that we're on the under six and a half. I think six wins is, is about uh, what should, what we should expect. Xavier, your thoughts here. I mean, uh, were we going to get the full breakdown on Southern as well? Uh, nah, come on. I'm not going to do that for them. What? That'd be blasphemy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but genuinely, I, I think this is a, a team I'm intrigued by, um, if anything else, right? I think last year they made some strides, definitely, um, under a new coach um, in a new situation. I think they hit somewhat of a wall last year. I think last year they, they obviously had some pretty impressive wins um, in the 2022 season. But I, I also think that they may have hit a wall at points where the, the you know changing over the whole system just didn't all come together. Uh, when we played them last year in particular, I really felt like they maybe should have competed a little bit better or beat us, to be honest with you. Um, but they just couldn't get over that 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 hump uh, later later in that game. Excuse me. Going into this year, though, I think they'll be better. I think their offense will obviously have had another year under the system. I think they'll have a really good opportunity to put that all together. They're they're a sneaky team, right? 
really, really sneaky. They lost to App. They, they beat App State in double overtime. They only lost to South Alabama by seven in the second half of the year. Um, they really just have to learn how to finish. And I think that last year was the learning curve of that, right? You lose by eight to your rival. You lose by four to Coastal Carolina. You lose by seven to South Alabama, like I alluded to earlier. You finish those games. You're looking at the team that would have, you know, you would have represented the East uh, last year, right? Like that was how tight that margin was last season. So I, I really think that this year offensively, they can hit that, that uh, they can be a little bit more consistent later in games. They were really lights out, you know, put up a ton of points, uh, but that defense has to come around on its own right, right? Uh, they really hit the transfer portal hard this year, which I commend them on, especially in the back end, which had been pretty porous last season. I think we had our best passing game of the year uh, against them last year, which obviously, like I alluded to just a second ago, we don't pass the football all that well. So I think Georgia Southern should be better. I've got them possibly going seven and five. Um, but for the sake of the fact that it's Georgia Southern and it's always stayed over Southern, we're going to pick the under because I have to. <laughs> you got to save face. Of course. I understand to. that. Yes. I, I understand. Let's uh, go down to we're into the hundreds now. 101 on Southern Miss. Their win total on DK is five. We are slightly over the five. I mean, on offense, we know what it is, Nick. It's the, the Frank Gore Jr. battering ram and not a lot else. Uh, can he do enough or can they expand enough on this and improve enough on defense to potentially sneak into a bowl game here? I think it's possible. I, I think that Georgia Southern under Will Hall has proven capable of getting creative when they need to. I mean, the quarterback position has been – bit of a disaster <laughs> i mean the last couple of years to the point that frank gore's played a fair amount of quarterback especially late in the season um there's an ongoing competition between uh juco transfer holman edwards and an incoming transfer billy wiles um sounds like the returning starter zach wilkie is is out of the mix to to be that top guy so i think if if southern miss gets any type of normal quarterback play um, that I think that the ceiling for this team is is pretty high. I mean, I, I think the fact that they were able to get to a bowl game last year, find a way to get to 500 in conference play, and then get over 500 for, for their final record, even though they did draw Rice, who was a below 500 bowl team, in the bowl game. Um, I mean, if this, if this offense takes even a small step forward, they were 126th in offensive returning production last year. Or, I keep saying the wrong thing offensive team performance last year. Um, if they're a top 100 offense, then this team's going to be really tough to beat because I think defensively, even though the returning production numbers said the right, the right thing that aren't great. They're, they're experienced up front. They get a couple of their best linebackers back from injury last year, but did lose arguably their best linebacker to a season ending injury or actually a non non injury, a, a medical condition, Avery Abbas. Um, have some talent to replace in the secondary as well. But I do believe that we're not going to see a, a huge step back defensively. If we see a small step forward offensively, this, this Southern Miss team is going to be tough to beat. Um, so I do think getting to five, I feel pretty confident about that. Getting to six, I think there's a real good shot as well. Xavier, what do you think about Southern Miss? I think they struggled last year in the conference, but give them another year. Um, I think they'll be better. I think a lot of the, the, the volatility that's happened with that team over the last couple of years has really hurt them. 
I mean, you know, a couple, what was it, two years ago, they played five quarterbacks um, and had to start Frank Gore, obviously, at, at the quarterback position. He's a stud. Um, I think offensively they'll be fine as long as Frank Gore stays healthy. Defensively is for, where, for me, that experience has to turn into production. They bring back a ton of guys on the D-line and the linebacker room, but once again, got to turn into production for me. The schedule is not all that favorable in the non-conference, unfortunately. But outside of that, I think they can compete. I think they'll be rather competitive. So I think putting them at right around six wins is comfortable for me. I don't see why they can't make a bowl game as long as they manage that non-conference schedule right. And they don't, you know, lose a weird one to like Arkansas State uh, right then, uh, right there um, in the non-conference schedule. Uh, because Florida State, Tulane, and Mississippi State are not a great non-conference pool, if you ask me. So they have to compete in the Sun Belt to get there, but I think they can. All right, let's go down to 111 Texas State, who finished four and eight last season. Four and a half is their win total. This is a, a team that we're over on just slightly, but I mean, you want to talk about transfer you here, uh, Nick? Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like nine starters on offense are of the transfer portal and five on defense. So it's going to be a lot of early season gelling, probably pretty messy to start. Uh, hopefully they can gel together and get it done by the end of the season, but it's an uphill battle for a bunch of guys coming in from different places. Yeah, for sure. One, one really interesting note, the offensive line is almost entirely transfers who are following KJ Kenny or GJ Kenny from uh, incarnate word, the the head coach. Uh, so that if you're going to bring in a bunch of transfers is kind of an interesting way to do it. Uh, it's not all five starters or, or projected starters, but um, a good chunk of that starting offensive line, at, at, I think at least three uh, are, are from Incarnate Word. So um, it's going to be really interesting. Texas State, we've always, the last few years, they're, they're kind of in that UMass category where our numbers think that they're a lot more talented than they play on the field. Uh, and, and this year, I think, there's even more reason than usual to be optimistic. Texas state's been a, a an underperforming team in the past. Um, the returning production numbers don't look good, but a large portion of that is because they're bringing in a lot of guys transferring from the SES level, not just incarnate word, but other places. Um, Joey Hobart is a, is an example, former Washington state wide receiver went to Utah tech is now at uh, Texas state. Uh, Bo Corrales is a, you know, incoming transfer. He was at the FC, uh, FBS level last year, but, um, uh, you know, has bounced around a bit. They do return Ashton Hawkins, who is their best receiver. And then the big question is quarterback. Is it going to be Malik Hornsby, the transfer from Arkansas, who's just a, a incredibly fast, one of the fastest players in all of college football. Um, when he transferred in, I know the CFF community so excited about his uh, potential. And then TJ Finley transferred in, who'd been at LSU and Auburn previously, uh, much more the passer. Hasn't quite shown, you know, uh, the the full range of his arm strength and passing ability so far. But there's, I think, reason to expect that Kenny and this uh, incoming coaching staff could sort of unlock that, piece together enough around him, enough weapons, um, whether it's Hornsby or Finley or some combination of the two, this could be a really, really fun team but there's so many new faces um that it is you know it's very very possible that it doesn't gel and and uh, texas state falls short of our expectations again but i'm glad we're on the over because i think there's enough upside to be excited about 
Texas State, Xavier, you you uh you like being on the over here too? I can't wait to watch this team. Like this team is gonna be so much fun. Uh for good and bad reasons. Like Nick said, if it works, it's gonna be amazing football. If it doesn't, it's gonna be a dumpster fire. So either way, it's great, it's great, it's great. It's entertaining. Television. Right. That's true. So I like them to go over. Uh, I think four, four and a half is rather low, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, with that with the kind of talent that's transferred in with them, uh for them, excuse me. So give me the over there. Um, their non-conference is going to be I'm excited to see what they do against UTSA. I know I've said that for a lot of teams, but I just feel like those games are gonna be like basketball scores in some respects. So uh I'm excited to watch that game as a barometer matchup for them. But other than that, they're gonna be a fun team to watch at the very least. And I think they can get to five wins this season. All right, let's go down to 117. We're really scraping here. Uh Louisiana, six and a half is their DK win total. We are under that six and a half. And I know a lot of this is from returning production, Nick. Only two guys coming back on defense, which is tough. Five guys on offense. The quarterback is questionable here. What are there any positives for Louisiana this year? Yeah, I should probably actually change the the injury designation on Ben Woolridge. Everything sounds like he's back and healthy and and a real leader. Um, But... Yeah, this this just isn't this isn't the same old Louisiana. This is not Billy Napier's Louisiana team anymore. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're they're one of those teams that for a while, like some that we've discussed today, did play consistently above their roster strength, their their level of talent, their their talent profile. Um, last year we expected a pretty big step back with Napier leaving, uh, even though there was consistency, you know, promoting uh, from within uh, Michael Desormeaux, you know, reason to expect that, that uh, this is the, the job for him. He's a Louisiana lifer basically. Um, But just, you know, there was a drop off in talent this year. There's a huge drop off in uh, the defensive side of the ball where last year that was a strength, you know, they were, they were 62nd or 67th in defensive team performance overall top 50 against the pass. And this year it, it's almost an entirely new unit, 130th in defensive returning production um, on the offensive side of the ball, even though Woolridge is back, um, you know, didn't, didn't have a super productive year uh, last season. The running game it sounds like Draylon Washington is going to be the starter, but uh, you know they they weren't operating at the same type of level as they were under Napier, and they lost one of their probably lost. He's indefinitely suspended. A player that that I was the most excited to watch, uh, Lance Legendre, had had moved from quarterback to wide receiver. Looked like he was really coming into uh, you know developing into a weapon last season has run himself into some trouble off the field and, and probably not going to be part of uh, the team this year, at least for the foreseeable future. So there's just not, you know, a, a lot of evidence for me to suggest that we're going to see a bounce back. I think that this Louisiana team is going to continue to, to you know, take a, take another little step back in, in the uh, win column this season. So I feel uh, more confident than most in us uh, being on the under for Louisiana this year. Xavier, you, you with him on uh, being on the under for Louisiana here? Yeah, I was kind of surprised that they even got six and a half. I, I thought this team last year obviously took a step back without Napier being there. Uh, but really the, 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 the real reason as to why, I felt like they just lost a generation of talent. Like 
they they had a team they had a, a four-year stretch there where obviously everybody talks about elijah mitchell but you know levi lewis was no slouch they had uh, one of the best running back tandems in the country um and it's, been, it's just been hard to replace on top of that i think the teams around him um got better on top yeah as well as the teams that obviously have been added to the conference since then so I, i'm surprised that this was so high um I'm definitely going under. I don't think that they make a bowl game. That they don't. I, I think they'll either make a bowl game at six and six, or they just won't at all. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just been difficult for them to replace that much talent, especially with losing that much talent as your head coach who recruited that well that that, that area so well, also leaving at the same time. All right, let's go over to Arkansas State, who's at one twenty last season, three and nine. The DK win total is four and a half, but we're slightly over. That four and a half here, Nick. A um, lot of transfers coming in on offense. It looks like uh, seven of 11 starters are via the transfer pool here. A um, couple transfers in on defense as well, but only a couple starters back. So uh, what are the expectations for Arkansas State this year? I, I can't really make up my mind about Arkansas State. I feel like they should have been better last year. Um, I mean, they were... 127th in offensive team performance, 125th in overall team performance. Uh, just a just a bad team, and uh, just haven't haven't been able quite to find it under Butch Jones. I expected I expected the the talent numbers to be a little bit better by now. Um, he's obviously hit the transfer portal very hard, as you mentioned. Um, one of the the transfer players to be most excited about, Corey Rucker. I think is still waiting on a waiver. He transferred from Arkansas state to South Carolina back. Um, uh, my hopes aren't super high, but I mean, maybe he graduated and I didn't, didn't realize it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of an issue, a little bit of a, a lot of questions at, at multiple spots. JT Shrout probably going to start the transfer from Colorado, uh, but Jackson Daly's in the mix. I've heard a lot of positive buzz about true freshman Jalen Rayner. I think there's a good chance that he starts by the end of the season. Um, I think there's reason to be optimistic that Zach Wallace, the transfer from UT, uh, UT Martin, could really give him a, a boost at running back. Brian Sneed so, you know, showed some promise last year. Uh, was a highly rated recruit, originally started his career at, at Ohio State, but they're probably starting four uh, transfers on the offensive line. Uh, Makai Butler, returning starter. Everybody else is um, likely to be new, including three, I think, who are from Ole Miss, didn't play very much at all, but, you know, SEC level talent, but uh, that doesn't always equate to. You know, I think it, there's a little bit more – I think you can trust transfers at skill positions a little bit more, if that makes sense, who are coming, you know, transferring down to the, the group of five. Uh, that's probably too general a statement, but I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical, at least at this point, of what this offensive line is, is going to look back like if we're going to see much improvement, which was – it was one of the worst offensive lines in the country last year, 132nd in no line – uh, performance, four brand new starters, three of whom not very experienced. So uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some experience on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the back seven, but you know they ranked 110th in defensive team performance last season. So unless the transfers really come in and and excel right away, 
everything you know melds together, it's going to be a struggle. So I, I know that we're over the four and a half. I don't hate it because you know they should win at least two games in the non-conference. Two and two is probably the the likely result because they get UMass, they get Stony Brook. They probably are going to lose to Oklahoma and Memphis. Maybe there's a chance there, but hopes aren't super high. They have to play, of course, division rivals Troy and South Alabama. They draw Marshall and Coastal Carolina out of the East. I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough road, and and unless uh, they hit on a quarterback, unless Wallace really takes over, becomes one of the best running backs in the country, it sure would be great if Corey Rucker is is uh, eligible. Uh, or they hit on another transfer, maybe Courtney Jackson, Kamari Thompson. Um, you know, there, there's Jeff Foreman, quality wide receiver at the Sun Belt level, needs a second. Uh, and Emmanuel Stevenson has been an experienced starter at tight end. But otherwise, man, I've got a lot of questions and a lot of roster spots. And, and so confidence is not high uh, that they're going to be able to get to four and a half. Xavier, Arkansas State, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. With, I, there's just too much, too many questions for for me on this roster. Um, I'm just not, you know, too many transfers. There is such a thing, um, and I think Arkansas State might be borderline there. Uh, that offensive line is going to have to gel extremely quickly with having Oklahoma and Memphis right, you know, ready to go. I um, mean, they just don't get a a really favorable draw. I think at any real point of the season, right? They go Troy, Coastal Carolina back to back. They get Louise, they get South Alabama, Texas State, and Marshall to end the year. Uh, we all think Texas State's going to be at least fun at the very end of the day. I mean, even though I think Louisiana is going to be going to regress a bit, they're still going to be better than what Arkansas State, you know, trots out there. So I just feel like this is a team that, you know, I, I commend them on understanding that they had issues and going into the transfer portal to try to fix them. But I think you may have overdone. And uh, I think we're going to – I'm, I'm going to use this as a little bit of a, of a guinea pig here to just see what this kind of all looks like at the G5 level as well for the transfer portal and how a G5 team can possibly either benefit or, you know, uh, obviously it would be a bad thing if they uh, hit the transfer portal a little bit too hard rather than use some of their guys that are in-house. Uh, I'm going to go with the under for Arkansas State. And yeah. All right. Louisiana Monroe ranks 130. Three and a half is their DK win total, and we are under it. This is what Nick <laughs> was talking about. Uh, Monroe, it looks rough, man, especially in returning production. Um, what is that? Four returning starters on offense. One is outside the offensive line. All conference Tyrone Howell, wide receiver on defense. Four returning starters, a couple of transfers in as well doesn't look like it's uh, going to be very fun there. So when we originally previewed ULM, uh, because we've, we've talked about a few of these teams before already, but I think we were on the over. There's been a little bit of movement toward, uh, you know, dragging the rating down just a little bit. It surprised me. I, I, I had kind of talked myself into ULM getting that fourth win. But there's there is a lot of reason to expect that there's just too much to overcome. One, the talent profile as it is, it's just it's a difficult place to accumulate talent, to hold on to it. It was a bit of a surprise that Tyrone Howell came back. I, I would have and I saw an interview with him actually on the, the ULM website where he uh, talked about, you know, could have transferred and, and uh, perhaps gotten a sniff at a, a power five uh, opportunity. But decided to come back. That's a great 
that's a great thing. You know, they add Thad Franklin at running back from Miami, Isaiah Woolard from uh, Ole Miss, I believe. Uh, a couple of intriguing wide receiver transfers, Bull, uh, Bud Tolbert and uh, Nine-Nine Davis, who uh, was at uh, Utah State and, and had shown some promise in the past. The quarterback spot is a little bit of a question. Jaya Wright is a dynamic runner, um, hasn't had an opportunity really to show it much, has only played six games uh, in, in major college footballs, you know, bounced around a little bit, most recently at junior college before coming to ULM and, and had been back up. Um, they didn't uh, bring in somebody really to, to take the job from him. Hunter Herring is a transfer from Louisiana, but it didn't seem like he was ever really a serious uh, candidate to start. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's I think, enough uh, potential in the offensive skill positions that I think it could be a fun offense. Defensively was a struggle last year. They rank 102nd in defensive returning production, uh, lost one of their best players as a transfer to Miami, I believe. So uh, I don't see a lot of reason to expect that, that the defense is going to take a step forward. Um, ULM has won a couple of games each of the last couple of years that you wouldn't have expected. Last year, beating Texas State and Georgia State in back-to-back games, beating Louisiana to open some belt play. I mean, all of those were, were a little surprising. So it could happen again, but, um, you know, I, I don't hate that we're, that we're on the under also. I, I do think that uh, it's a tough place to win, and, and the talent profile is um, just, you know, on the very, very low end. So I, I, I don't hate that we're on the under three and a half. Xavier? What are, what are we thinking here on ULM? Any positivity? Oh man, I you know how bad I want ULM to like put together like a season. Just like they've been, I feel like they've just been at the bottom of the of the conference for a while now, and it's it's nice to have it's nice that they have a partner that we'll talk about in just a second. But it, it's just so depressing because you just know like ULM's just not ever gonna put together at least at the current stage that they're at. And I agree with Nick, man. I just man, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, I was going to try to talk myself into something. I was going to say maybe Army trying to switch offenses was going to help them in some respects. And I was going to say maybe ULM could catch an Army team slipping. But at this current juncture, I just can't do it. So, yeah, I'm going under ULM. But here are my words. If they do beat Army, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to clip it like I did say it. And then, you know, I'm going to use that as, as Twitter fodder for, you know, me my knowledge on college football. <laughs> I think mean, I think that's possible. We might not preview that game in depth in a, in a couple of weeks, but uh, that's a that's a sneaky opportunity for ULM. If they win that game, I do think that they've got a good chance of going over. All right, let's go. Let's go to Old Dominion, one hundred thirty-one. Uh, it's rough here, and yet again, three and a half is their DK win total. We are under again. I mean, this is uh, even closer than ULM, but uh, Old Dominion, another team not returning a lot of production. Three players on offense. That is a tough look. Only two on defense. One is Jason Henderson, who's an all-conference linebacker, but uh, All-American. Not a, uh, All-American. Yeah, he had almost 200 tackles last year. Was, yeah, I mean, one. so a great player, but <laughs> it, him and only one other guy are coming back on this defense. Right. It, it's rough. Uh, at ODU right now it is yeah and and we mentioned it 
in our earlier preview of Old Dominion, so we don't have to rehash everything probably, but um, the Old Dominion ranks 133rd, dead last in overall roster strength and offensive roster strength. One, it's very rare for somebody other than a military academy to be dead last in our roster strength numbers. Two, this is the worst, uh, lowest rated roster strength number um, for any non-military team in our history. And a lot of it, yeah, they're 129th in returning production overall, 128th on offense, 115th on defense. Javon Harvey, solid wide receiver. Could be very good. Could have a great year, especially with um, the change in offensive coordinator, bringing in Kevin Decker from Fordham, where they scored like 50 points a game, had 3,000-yard receivers. If that offensive system is good enough, um, Old Dominion could be fun. You know, they could they could definitely put up some production. Uh, the quarterback question, we don't know. Is it Grant Wilson, the transfer? He was a backup at Fordham. He's coming in. Sounded like he had a little bit of an edge entering the fall. But Jack Shields it sounded like as fall camp opened, they were neck and neck. And then I read a local news report that true freshman Colton Joseph is in the mix. So who knows? Um, on defense, yeah, uh, you, you hit it. It was Jason Henderson and – not a whole lot else as far as you know, established, experienced guys. There are some incoming transfers who could certainly play their way into the mix. Maybe we're underrating uh, this unit a bit, but still, I mean, they rank 128th in, in defensive roster strength. There's just not a whole lot of evidence to suggest that this old Dominion team is going to be competitive week in and week out. The only reason for me to to talk myself into us just being wrong on that is if, you know, the, the offense is one of those where it can override the talent disadvantage. Um, I am a little intrigued. I will say Juco transfer Kadarius Callaway was a five-star or close to a high four-star uh, signed with Alabama out of high school as a defensive back, went to junior college, converted to running back, Interesting to see how he fits in. We have him behind Keyshawn Wicks in the running back uh, pecking order projections right now. Um, but I don't know. There's enough interesting pieces on offense that they could be fun. But I just don't think that they're honestly quite talented enough to, to be competitive week in and week out. Xavier, ODU, last team up here. Any silver lining? Any positive thoughts here or... They're a bottom feeder, probably going to stay a bottom feeder. Yeah, let me see if I can think of any of the time that it takes to – now I'm good. I just don't <laughs> think – hey, look, they'll beat A&M Commerce. I don't know how they pull Virginia Tech as a, in Wake Forest. Who's putting these schedules together, man? Look. Hey, they beat I'm, Virginia Tech last year. Yeah, they did. <laughs> But this is a completely different team. Right, for, exactly. Like, that was players. last year. Like, look, they, they got the money and they beat them. That's a, that's a great thing. You know, when the G5 is able to do that, congratulations. Those see that happening this season. Um, unless Virginia Tech just really is that bad. That could be a scary moment if I were a Virginia Tech fan. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe one win. Maybe they catch Liberty at the end of the year. God forbid Georgia State just doesn't show up. Maybe they get to three wins. That's the most optimism I got for you. They're going to go under, I think. Um and and very and, interesting possible wins you, <laughs> that you pulled. 
<laughs> I just I don't, I don't you know when I, when I look at the rest of their schedule yeah okay Southern Miss is on here sorry I can't leave them out uh, it's a possibility there I just don't see it anywhere else and I and I know Georgia State has the propensity to drop games to bad teams I've seen it for going on seven years now That's, yeah, um, good point good so um but yeah I mean look. Don't see it happening. And I really hate DK for putting three and a half wins because just if they get to that three win total by sheer luck, then it still doesn't, it's, it, it still won't work. Like if they get the three wins, which I think they could, like I just said a second ago, if a couple, if you know, a couple of games just really go right for them, it still won't matter because they'll be under. Uh, so yeah, just give me the under win when it comes to Old Dominion. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for us on this edition. We only have one more preview uh, yeah, show game left week. here. And it's game week. Yes. Week zero coming up uh, this weekend here. So we're going to have some games to go over and a couple conferences to preview. So next show will be a big one. Be sure to check it out, but we will see you guys. in. remember to follow us all on Twitter uh, campus, the number two Canton uh, at CFB winning edge for Nick at Xavier underscore Tristier I C H E and at Bogman Sports for myself. Nick, what are the what do we have left? Uh, which conferences again? So we were strategic about it. We've got Conference USA and Mountain West because that's the majority of uh, who will be playing in week zero. So we're going to be able, hopefully, to kind of tie it in together. Um, we'll probably move even quicker than we did on some teams today with the uh, previews, especially, I mean, we've talked about half the com- you know, Conference USA already. Um, not a ton has changed, but... Uh, yeah, COSA, Mountain West, and uh, Week Zero, where we've got about half a dozen games. So um, It's rapidly we'll... approaching. Ah. We're six days away from games, right, <laughs> uh, as, as we're recording. So yes. rapidly approaching. So uh, we will see you guys later on in the week. Have a great one. See you then. <laughs>